Welcome, welcome everyone. Great to see you. We're going to have an awesome, awesome, awesome night tonight. We're going to be talking about God's dietary laws. Like, what does the Bible really say about what to what to eat, what not to eat? Uh, can we eat anything we want? What is it really all about? What does the New Testament teach? We're going to talk about all that stuff tonight. So, and I'm also going to go through a lot of your pre. Um, I guess you pre-submitted comments. Now, I know some of you might have got some uh, notifications from me earlier saying that, um, hey, I'm going to talk about your comment tonight. And there are some of some people here that I am going to be talking about that. So first of all, I just want to welcome everyone. Welcome, welcome. Uh, feel free to add any kind of comment question you have in the, in the uh, live chat. Uh, if perhaps a live chat is a little bit distracting for you, you can you can uh, you can close the live chat if you want to. But uh, nevertheless, yes, we're wide open tonight. We're going to be answering all your questions and your comments. I am uh, I'm very very uh, excited about tonight. First of all, for some of you who um, uh, who have already subscribed to me, you know that I, I did a, uh, a community post earlier about uh, it was a poll actually asking what should I do, you know basically in your opinion should I do more scripture reading should I do more commentary should I do more uh, you know uh, reading the comments and, and responding to the comments and so a lot of you you really uh, you made your voices heard you know I I, I read it all and. Um, and I appreciate where you're coming from. Hey, it's all about you guys. It's all about you guys. So we're serving you guys, you know, uh, getting the word of God across and having a wonderful time fellowshipping and serving you. So, uh, you know, I, I think it seems like a lot of you just say, hey, you know, we love it just the way it is. Just don't change it. Some of you have some really good uh, uh, comments and really good suggestions. I appreciate every one of those. And so I just want to say I, I saw that. I read that. And uh well, well appreciated. Now, I got a few comments. Um, actually, it's 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 several comments uh, that I have received on my pre-recorded videos. So, talking about pre-recorded videos or not, let me give you just a little bit of an idea of why I'm doing these lives like I am so much tonight. Uh, like I do tonight is what I should say. Um, I have been on YouTube for like over ten years. Okay, and. Um, Unfortunately, due to my internet connection, I, I really couldn't go live until recently. And so a lot of the things I posted was just is just simply just scripture reading or scripture reading and, you know, me giving my commentary over. And I never, really, you know, I couldn't do much interaction with you guys. But since last year, since the summer of last year, since I got a better internet connection, I've been going live every single day. And that's the whole thing. I love interacting with you guys. I think it's just absolutely uh just vital to uh, to get a, you know to talk to you guys and to have some live interaction. Uh, what you guys think? Some of the questions that come to your mind while you're listening. It's just absolutely. I enjoy talking to you guys. I enjoy the fellowship, and I and I know um, many of you have have also expressed that that you have enjoyed also um, the the live fellowship that we've been doing both on TikTok and on YouTube and several other platforms as well. When we've been on. We are on several other platforms, and I see that there are some people listening on the other platforms. So welcome, everyone. As always, welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, the live, uh, the reason why I'm doing live streams is to interact with you, to interact with your live, your live chat, to interact with you in live time. So yeah, whether you have negative comments, negative questions, positive comments, positive questions, I want to hear from you. 
I want to interact with you. So make sure you put those things in the chat. Now, before I get too far, I'm going to get in. I know some of you would be listening, as I know. I said earlier, uh, I, I sent some of you guys a little bit of um, kind of notification. I'm going to be talking about your your comment tonight, your question tonight, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. In the meantime, I'm just going to welcome some of you guys in the chat. Talk about live interaction. Let's let's get to it. Uh, we have one John two twenty six says Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, brother. Good to see you, Kalamentos, with a couple of loaves of challah there, some wine, and says Shabbat Shalom, everyone, with all kinds of emojis there. Uh, Psalm 94 says, good evening. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Great to see you back. Uh, Jeff says, Shabbat Shalom, friends. Um, Psalm 94 says, lovely work on the piano. Nice sound. Uh, so we have Kurt Robinson uh, says something. It seems like there must have been a problem with that. Uh, you know what? Sometimes... If you uh, if you submit, especially on other platforms or if, uh, different languages, if you if you enter anything other than uh, English or whatever in in the comments, sometimes it doesn't come up properly. I'm not sure why that is, so I apologize. Cat Cool says uh, Shalom Shalom Matthew, great to see you. Uh, Calamento says beautiful music. Dale says Shabbat Shalom everyone, and please say hello to Sani. Yes, hello uh, Sani. Uh, I would like you to ask for prayers for our sister. Uh, she has she has been a good example and a friend through a trying time for us. Okay, yeah, we will pray. Absolutely. Let's do that right now before we get too far. Um, yeah, so let's pray for, uh, I believe it will be Sandy here. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So let's 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 just join together every believer within the sound of my voice, both on TikTok and on YouTube. Every every other um, uh, platform we have going here. By the way, for those of you on TikTok, I am streaming live as well right now on YouTube. If you want to join me over there, I think you might like it a little bit better over there because I'm going to be sharing my screen and I'm going to be doing lots of different interesting things, talking about God's dietary laws. You can stay here on TikTok if you want, but hey, if you want to go over to YouTube, I think you might like it over there. A little bit better, just the, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, YouTube has got these features that hook up to my my software that the TikTok just doesn't have. If you want to do it, just go over to YouTube and search for Christopher Enoch. You'll find my channel there. You'll find that I'm live there right now. Okay, so it's Christopher Enoch on YouTube. All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you. We come before you, Father. We bless you. We worship you, Father. We love you, Father. We love you. We we praise you. It says, enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise. And we will enter your courts, Father, with thanksgiving in our hearts. We will enter. We will enter your courts with praise. Holy is your name. We worship you. We worship you, Father. Father, we just ask you that you would bless Sandy. You would bless this new sister. Father, we just ask you that you would just open her mind to, uh, to, uh, to understand wonderful, wonderful mysteries of the Word of God and, and bless her, Father, every area of her life, spirit, soul, physically, mon financially, every which way. Just bless her, protect her, and, and just show yourself glorious to her by your powerful, powerful spirit. In the name of Yeshua, everyone said... Amen, amen, amen.
Okay. Byron says, uh, hello and shalom. Shalom, Byron. Jeff, Jeff says, everyone gives a th give a thumbs up. Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate that. Uh, Psalm 94 says, hello to Sunny and a thumbs up. Uh, Psalm 94, yeah. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, everyone, says Sani. Thank you, Dale. Yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome to all you guys. Uh, Shabbat shalom, everyone. Good to see you all. Welcome back, Christopher. And and like it's always been a blessing to be here. Awesome, Vinny, awesome. Will, over there at Sheepdog Ministries. Good to see you. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Good to see you all. Good to see you, Will. Hey, you know what? Uh, Will. I know this is an off-the-cuff kind of, uh, this is a very spare-of-the-moment kind of thing, but Will, would you be interested in joining me a little bit uh, live? Would you be interested in joining me like tonight in a little bit, okay? Is that something that you could do? Let me know in the live chat. Um, or you can send um, send me a message there on Signal as well. Actually, the, on Signal, it might be a little bit better if you can send me a message there. That's in, if that's something you can do tonight, Will. Uh, sorry, but sorry. And for those of you who are listening, you're just wondering what's going on. I, I have not even, uh, this is the first time I ever uh, invited Will like this, but it's, it's off the cuff, it's spare of the moment. Will, if you're up to it, that's awesome. If not, I understand, that's fine. Vinny says, Shabbat Shalom, Sani. All right. Going nowhere also says needing prayers. See, I, I really want to spend a lot of time and focus on your prayer requests and your questions and your comments. I really respect your your time and your efforts in uh, in submitting prayer requests and comments. And uh, so I, 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 you know, in out of respect for that, I want to really prioritize. Right? Excuse me. <laughs> I'm stumbling over myself here. Prior prioritize. Uh, that okay so i appreciate i appreciate it and um i respect you guys needing prayers i i'm very much a loner and sometimes it hurts being all being alone all the time if you could pray that i find more happiness peace comfort less heartbreak and solitude i would appreciate that no problem going nowhere absolutely no problem so father Again, Father, we, we, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for everyone listening. We thank you, Father, for your blessings, your grace, your mercy upon us. Thank you, Father, for what you've done, what you're doing tonight, what you have planned tonight. And so, Father, we ask you that you would, you would bless this person, this person. We, we ask you, Father, you would bless this person with happiness, peace, comfort and less heartbreak in the solitude that this person, you know what, believe it or not, let me just, I'm sorry, believe it or not, I used to be, you know, a very much like that as well. So, you know, I really, really appreciate that. So Father, Father, just bless going nowhere. Bless this, this wonderful, wonderful child of yours. Father, let them take this time in in solitude to get to know you better to 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 search the scriptures give them a, a renewed fire renew, a renewed a renewed inspiration to pray more to read the scriptures more 
to worship more. Thank you, Father. We read of, of, of people like some of the prophets. We read of some of the apostles like John and, and even Paul and other apostles that were put in solitary. They were put in solitary confinement too. And yet they found wonderful grace and peace in the midst of it all. So, Father, we ask you that your grace and your mercy would be extended to this person. In the name of Yeshua, amen and amen. All right, all right. So, just reading some of your comments here before we get to. I got some. I got some. I got some doozies for you tonight. I'm telling you, I got some. I've got some. I picked out some of the best and some of the worst comments <laughs> that I've received over the years. Okay. And I'm going to read those to you and I'm going to answer those. And I know that some of you might be watching because I invited some of you to watch some of you that actually uh, submitted these comments. So hold your horses, as my grandmother would say, hold your horses. Will says, it's amazing to always have a place to fellowship with like-minded believers every day. Amen. Amen. Jeff says going, or excuse me, you know, going, going Salome is a great name. Hey, that's a good one. Yeah, going Salome. Uh, Sundown says Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Sundown. And uh, Sandy says, Amen. Will says, Yep, yeah, I'd, I'd join you. Awesome, Will. Awesome. I'll send you that link. Uh, yeah, I'll get that to you. Pauline says, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom, Paulina. Good to see you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Will, what I'm going to do, Will, I got, I got like about a, I got a, <laughs> I got a whole mitt full of comments that I'm, I pulled and did screenshots off of YouTube. I want to go through that and then we'll, I'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on, Will. And I want to do some script, scripture reading as well. You can share, Will, whatever's on your heart. And, uh, I know, Will, you have, uh, you, last time you were on, you shared a testimony of, uh, this kind of to do with this kind of topic as well. Uh, the topic of the d God's dietary laws or the Bible diet, the, um, the laws of what you, you know, the unclean versus the clean food. So yeah, well, we can, uh, uh, we can kind of go through some of that again with people who have never heard. So yeah, let's get into some of these comments. I'm going to start out with a positive comment. And I know some of you, like, um, if you're, if you're ever preaching, uh, lawfulness, lawfulness, you know, that you don't always get a lot of positive comments, but I'm going to start out with a positive comment here. Uh, and we'll take it from there. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, let me just see what we're doing here. Okay. So this is a comment I got on YouTube, uh, a month ago from a name by the, excuse me, and a gentleman by the name of Colin or Colin. Uh, Luke eleven eleven. Which of you fathers, if you if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Swine's flesh and the mouse is not reckon is not considered food. That's a powerful. That's that's really good. This one, I like that. Neither is snakes and scorpions or any other beast. God declared abomination. Amen, Colin. 
Leviticus 11.45, for I am the Lord that brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the, of the beasts and of the fowl and of every living creature that moves in the waters and of every creature that creeps on the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean, between the beast that they may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. Okay. Uh, yeah. So little little bit of a side note here. If you notice in the days of Noah, Noah knew the difference. Noah knew the difference between the unclean and the clean. We know that uh, as it says, the unclean and the clean were separated on the ark. Isaiah 66 verse 15, for behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Six, verse 16, for by fire and by his sword will the, will the Lord plead with all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. Get that, shall be consumed together, says the Lord. That certainly doesn't sound like God is very happy with that, does it? Next comment. Next comment. Uh, excuse me here. Emuna, uh, Matthew 7, verses 17 to 23. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, uh, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he has entered into the house from the, pe from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto him, are you so, are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that what, so everything from without enters into a man and it, it cannot defile him because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly and goes out into the drought, drought, uh, purging all meats. And he said, that which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thought, thefts, covetousness, uh, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And then Amuna says, basically, it's our sinful nature within us that defiles us. Now, let me just let me just say a word about this. And maybe I'm not sure, Will, if you would have uh, something to add to that or not. But um, there's a difference between being defiled and sinning. Okay, a lot of people, a lot of Christians think that this is, means that oh, you can eat whatever you want. It doesn't. It, it's it's not counted as sin. You need to understand there's a there is a difference. Okay between being defiled and being guilty of sin. Okay? Jesus didn't say that you can eat whatever you want and you you still wouldn't be sinning. That's not what he said. He's talking about defiling man. Now, in other translations it's talking about um it says whatever enters into a man from the outside basically will not make him unclean. Now, making him unclean is different than being guilty of sin, okay? Making him unclean uh 
in Acts chapter 10, we have, for example, this is just one example. In Acts chapter 10, we have uh, the Gentiles that are declared as being unclean, whereas the Jews are declared as being clean. Okay? And so, in that, using that particular definition, Yeshua is just saying here, whatever enters into your in, enters into you from without is not going to change. Is not going to make you like if you're a Jew and you eat shrimp, does that make you into an unclean Gentile? Not that it doesn't. Not that it's not sin, if you know what I mean. Now, I'm not saying that's the definition, but I'm just saying that there is a difference between being defiled something that defiles you as opposed to you sinning. If you notice, when you read the scriptures, there are some things that says actually defiles you. There are some things that says actually defiles the land. Okay? That's not talking about sin. Okay? Of course, there's a, it is a sin that causes the defilement, but it's not the sin that is the defilement, if you know what I, if you know what I mean. So that's a very, very important point to make. And uh, Imuna, if you're listening, Imuna, uh, by the way, nice screen name. I like that screen name. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Imuna is Hebrew for faith. If you're listening, Imuna, we got a lot more to say about that. Without, I'm not going to go into everything right now, but as we get through some of these comments, and again, we're going to go through Leviticus chapter 11, Deuteronomy chapter 14. Again, just in a little bit here, Will's going to come on as well. Uh, perhaps Will has some other things to share as well. Uh, but yeah, um, you need to understand, cultural context makes all the difference here. Okay, cultural context makes all the difference. Yeshua, Jesus was only ta was talking to the to the Jews. He was talking to the people, the children of Israel. Okay, back in those days, it wasn't even a thought that pork could even even ever be eaten. It wasn't even a thought pork or any other thing that's declared unclean. And we're going to get into exactly what is declared unclean uh, as we read Leviticus chapter eleven. Okay, so that's completely off the table. That's that's just absolutely not even uh, a question. It's not even part of the question. So we will talk about this a little bit more, Amuna, as we go on. But let's get into the next uh, the next comment, which is Firefox says, "I would like I would like to hear your opinion on Matthew fifteen ten to twenty. It's super clear. I don't understand how you can deny it." Well, again, there's, I think there's, <laughs> you're probably, uh, this is probably a straw man here because I, I don't deny what it says in Matthew, okay? Uh, and to prove that Christianity is an upgrade of Judaism because Judaism has been changed and isn't the way of God anymore, Jeremiah 8, 8 verse 8. Okay, so you know what? Uh, I agree with the fact that Judaism, there's been changes. But you know, you need. I think the biggest thing you need to understand is that Christianity has been changed dramatically from the times of the Book of Acts. Okay, dramatically. That's something that you miss there. Okay, Christianity is nothing like it was in the Book of Acts. In the Book of Acts, there were no buildings with steeples and pews, and there were no hymnals, and there were no New Testaments. There were no New Testaments. 
There was only the so-called Old Testament. That's where they preached all of their. Uh, that's where they preached all of the all of their text. That's where they preached all of their sermons from. That's where they based all of their doctrine on. That's where they based all of their practices on. The Tanakh. The Tanakh is Hebrew word for. It's a better word for what they call the Old Testament. So in Matthew fifteen. Uh, let's quickly just quickly run over there for a second. Matthew 15. Um, yeah, it's the, sa- it's the same thing as what we read there earlier in Matthew chapter. Yeah, it's the same thing we just we just uh, we just addressed Matthew chapter fifteen, talking about what comes out of a, a man is what defiles him, not not what goes in a man is what defiles him. Again, de- defiling somebody. Okay, uh, put it this way: the the scriptures do not say that if you dishonor your mother, that it defiles you. Okay, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to I'm trying to show you guys that there is a difference between sinning against God and defiling yourself. You can sin against God, and it doesn't say specifically that you defile yourself. Just because you take the name of the Lord in vain. Yeah, that's a, that's a serious thing. But it doesn't say that literally defiles you. It's a sin, definitely a sin, definitely should not do it. Definitely should repent of it if you do, if you do that kind of thing. But there's a difference between defiling yourself as opposed to sinning. So let's get on with the next comment. Next comment is Young Knowledge Seeker. It's fine to eat or not to eat certain foods for health concerns or even for spiritual, or excuse me, personal taste bud perfect preference. However, it is extremely clear in the New Testament that no one is obliged to keep the food laws or anything in the law of Moses. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, let, let me just stop there for a second. Again, um, let me just see. Uh... Yeah. So, um, before I get too far here, Will, you probably got, I hope you got that. Um, let me know if you got that link or not. I sent it to you. Um, yeah, you should receive that, that link. So, um, it's no, okay. So the new Testament, like, where do you start? I feel like a little, I feel like a little boy in, in a, in a candy shop going, where do I start proving that there's candy here? <laughs> Where do I start proving that there's candy here? It's like, it's all over the place. Out of all of the hundreds of thousands of different things that is said in the New Testament, out of all of the thousands of different concepts and points that's brought to us through the Tanakh, it gives us every detail you can imagine. And Christians would tell us, 
that it, it, it that the the old like the law and the prophets prophesy about Yeshua, prophesy about Jesus over three hundred times. My question, I mean, the first the first candy I'll pull out of the candy shop or off the shelf would be, my question is is this. 300 prophecies about the comp- about the the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the second coming and the final kingdom kingdom of Jesus. 300 and some that's a lot. That can you imagine somebody r- sitting down and writing 300 things about your life? That's a lot. That's that's pretty that's <laughs> That's a lot. Maybe that's not everything, but that that's that would certainly cover all of the major things for sure. I mean, oh, absolutely. My question, my first question to you, young knowledge seeker, I, I like that. I like your um, your handle there as well. You need to be a knowledge seeker. But my first question to you is, why is there not one, not one prophecy from the prophets, from the Torah, saying, hey, when Yeshua comes, when the Messiah comes, when the anointed one comes, he's going to do away with the Torah. And you can just eat whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Why is there not one? Not one. Not one. All right. So, hey, um, I'm going to put my... Will, are you ready to come on here? Okay, let me just see. There's a, uh, yeah. Got your, uh, the restream private chat there, um, Will? Okay. Okay, so um, for those of you who, let me see, just cut off that for a minute. For those of you who don't know Will, you need to know Will. Will has a uh, a ministry called Sheepdog Ministries. He's got a a vibrant TikTok channel uh, by the same name, I believe it is. And so... I just want to welcome Will on here. I know Will, you've been you've been uh, digging your heels in. You've been uh, fighting the good fight of faith against those antinomians uh, over there. So, everyone, everyone in the uh, live chat, give Will a well a wonderful warm welcome here. Will, how's it going, brother? Hey, brother. Good <laughs> hey, how's it going? Thanks for inviting me on. I was actually hoping to uh, to come back on and and hang out with you some more soon. It's been a while. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on, Will. It's a pleasure. How's it going? It's good. Just um, you know, trying to keep up with uh TikTok ministry. It's it's vicious out there. You oh, know. Oh, I know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hey, uh, some of the stuff we were talking about so far, is there any um things that you um you so want to share? Yeah, there were a few things I wanted to talk about with you. Um, you know, I I really like the chapter in the Didache concerning food i think and and please if you disagree with me on anything please let me know i'd love to talk about it with you you know i respect you you're one of the you're one of the best teachers out here so um if i say anything that you don't agree with i'd love to talk it over but i really truly believe that you know 
we do need to follow the dietary laws. You know, God gave them to us for a reason, but I think it's much deeper than just food. You know, it's, it's like the, the laws are spiritual and physical all at the same time. You know, he talks in the laws about food, you know, Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14, about uh, what animals to eat and not to eat, right? And and what are the ones you're not supposed to eat? You're not supposed to eat predators, right? Well, what do predators do? They kill, they steal, they destroy, you know? What do you do? We're not supposed to eat scavengers. What do they do? They, they roll around in the filth. They just... They, they do all kinds of vile things all the time, you know? So it, it's all about not mixing righteousness with unrighteousness. And it's a physical law about a spiritual thing. And I think that we see that all over the Torah, just like not mixing linen and wool. You know, that that's a physical law about a spiritual thing. Because if you look at that, Linen and wool, they, they can't be cohesive. If you, if you sew them together, they separate. The threads won't, they won't match up, right? So same thing, well, like what Paul talked about. You can't have a union of light and darkness, you know? So if you have righteous with unrighteousness, it destroys the whole thing. It, it spoils it, you know? Just like a little leaven makes the, the whole bread go, go a different direction. So I think the dietary laws were physical, but I think they're spiritual as well. And I, I do agree. It's not necessarily the weightier matters of the law when it comes to the dietary laws, but I think in the day and age we live, it has become a stumbling block to people. You know, the, the saying, um, you know, the way to a, a person's heart is through their stomach is, is survived for hundreds and thousands of years because it's true, right? You know, People are tempted with food in the Bible. And the very first sin ever was about basically a dietary sin. You know, God commanded them in the garden. He said, do not eat of this tree. Right. What did they do? They broke God's commandment and they defiled their body with food. So for us to think that we couldn't do the exact same thing today would be ignorant, in my opinion. Um, I do think there's more important things than than the dietary laws. But I think. The dietary laws become a stumbling block in most of Western Christianity because it seems like they care a lot more about the food than they do about God. You know, if you're not willing to give up something for God, then how are you set apart from the world? You know what I mean? Uh, if you can't give up bacon for God, you have an issue, right? So I like, um, I actually wanted to bring up the Didache since we were talking about this. I really like the section in the Didache concerning food. Um, I don't know if you want to pull that up or not, but but I can read it. Um, I don't know what chapter it is in this book. It's just the title. Um, here, hold on. Let me tell you real quick. It is one, two, three, four, five. It's the sixth chapter of the Didache. It says, um, see to it that no one leads you astray from this way of teaching, since he teaches you apart from God. But if you are able to bear the whole yoke of the Lord, you will be perfect. But you, but if you are not able, whatever you are able, this you must do. And this, this goes back to all the laws in general. You know, some laws we just can't follow. The pop, proper provisions are not in place for us to be able to follow all of the laws properly. So whatever you are able to do, this you must do. And the Didache clarifies that. And then moving on, it says, and concerning food, you bear what you are able, but regarding food sacrificed to idols, 
be on your guard for it is the worship of dead gods. So, and you know what? I think they said it this way because I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, but everybody that started watching their diet when we came into this walk, they sneak all kinds of stuff into our food unknowingly, like the label natural flavors. I mean, that's just like a blanket term for all kinds of disgusting stuff. If you if you go look into what they put under natural flavors, it will make you want to not eat a lot of food, even if you don't follow the dietary laws. So I think they knew, obviously, what was going to happen. And I think it really becomes an issue when you are willfully disobeying. You know, just just like it says in Hebrews 10, 26, if you willfully disobey, you know, that's when it's, that's when it's the issue. So, um, they knew that this stuff was going to get snuck into our food and, and we weren't going to be able to be on top of it a hundred percent of the time. So I think that this is our, correct me if I'm wrong. I kind of see this as, okay, this is your loophole. You, you don't know that they're doing this to you. You're trying to do the best that you can. Um, and the father will forgive you for, for stuff like this. But um, again, I believe that it becomes an issue when it's a willful disobedience. And I mean, please step in if you uh, if you agree or not. I'd love to hear your thoughts. On totally that. agree. Totally agree with you, Will. I think that it's a lot. It definitely, I, you know, uh, definitely good. Uh, something that everyone should understand. It's not just a physical thing. It's not just about what you're eating. It is a deep spiritual thing as well. Each one of these dietary law commandments uh, really has a deep spiritual connection. And I think, Will, I, you, I'm pretty sure you're aware of what it says in the, in the epistle of Barnabas as well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, right. I mean, there, you know, I think my personal opinion, I think Barnabas goes a little bit too much into the spiritual thing, but I think that there is a balance in uh, that, you know, like, for example, th- that pigs, right? They have, <laughs> you know, they're known for a lot of different things, right? And they're known for being yeah. ungrateful. They're known for, uh, you know, just the way they treat their owners, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that kind of thing, the, the way they treat their masters, so to speak. Uh, so pigs have a, there is a spiritual component there as well. So I, I, you know, I totally, uh, totally hear you there. Will. um, I, you mentioned about a stumbling block. Now I, I'm not entirely clear. Like you mean a stumbling block for the believers or for the unbelievers? I meant, I meant it becomes a stumbling block for ourselves when we un, un, in my opinion, we become so hard-hearted with some stuff that something that may not necessarily be a grievous sin can turn into one because of how we are treating it. You know, if someone, I, I would never go out there and say, okay, you ate bacon one time, you're going to hell. You know what I mean? But if we get to the point where we're just blatantly disregarding God's laws. We're like, he would not send me to hell for eating bacon. You know, I'm going to do it because I know he wouldn't send me to hell for it. I think that kind of attitude is what becomes a stumbling block. So it's not even necessarily the food. It's the attitude about the food that I feel can become a stumbling block for people for, for themselves, not, not necessarily for others, but for themselves, it can become a stumbling block because if you're just so in the world and you care more about the food than you do about God, I mean, 
I just, I see that as being, you know, pretty grievous. Like you're hard hearted, you're stiff necked. You've, you've stopped being humble and meek and you've made the choice. You're like, Nope, God's not going to do this to me. He would never do this to me. You know, it, it kind of falls in line in my opinion of like the whole once saved, always saved doctrine. Like I profess Christ in the world. I am saved. Now I can do nothing to remove myself from that. And I, I feel like people treat the dietary laws this way unknowingly. They say, oh, it's just stupid food. It's just bacon, right? I'm not going to give it up because it's just stupid bacon. He's not going to send me to hell for that. I am saved no matter what I do because I've professed Christ. Um, that's how I see it as becoming a stumbling block. I think it's a stumbling block as well for the outside world. I, I've experienced this myself where people, like I, I'm coming at it from a, the other side too. And that, what you're saying, Will, is is awesome. But there are and I'm sure you you ran across these kind of people too, or like you got other, you got Jews, especially Muslims. And it's like, that's their biggest hangup when it comes to, you know, believing in the way we believe. It's their biggest hangup with, you know, believing in Yeshua, believing in Jesus for, you know, their salvation, all that kind of stuff. Their biggest hangup with Christianity is you guys are, you know, eat pork, you guys are, you know... I've, I have personally witnessed firsthand. I know somebody who is a Muslim, I mean, dedicated Muslim. Um, and just from that one thing, it opened the door completely to salvation, opened the door completely. And I've seen this personally, I've seen a miraculous transformation in in someone's life just be, and it started, that, that was one of the things that started with, um, and other people too. I've seen where it's like, I've argued with somebody there was several months ago now, another Muslim. And uh, he just started arguing, arguing, you know, just the typical, the typical arguments they throw out. And I'm like, hold on a second. Uh, I know this is not really speaking to what you're saying, but I just want to let you know, I'm not a nominal Christian. I, I'm not someone who, I don't eat pork. I don't eat shellfish. I pray more than three times a day, you know, <laughs> and I go on like this, right? And he's like, he's out, he's gone. He's like, argument's over. Like. Like that's really what it was all about, even though he didn't say it at all. He didn't mention that at all. The whole hang up with the with the the Bible as we know it was just that. To and, and that's the way it is with some of these guys. I'm not I'm not saying everybody, but some of these people, that's their biggest thing. It's like, oh, these Christians, they, they eat, you know, they eat pig and all this kind of stuff. And they think that it's cool and they think they're okay with it. Yeah. I and they meet people like me and you. Yeah, and they're like, and they're like, oh, oh, it, it, it totally sh- like it's shock to them. I know. I've actually had a lot of, I've had a lot of Muslims stumble onto my page and had very good conversations with them because they're like, oh yeah, you, you know, you're you're doing what God asked us to do. You know, you know, they disagree with us that we follow Jesus and not Muhammad. You know, because they they believe. They believe Moses was the prophet for that time, and then Jesus was the prophet for his time, and now Muhammad's the prophet for our time. But they still believe in obedience to God and walking an obedient life, you know. And when they realize that there's Christians out there who are doing that, they're they're actually pretty nice to us for the most part. You know, and I found like when 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 speaking to Muslims, I state what I believe, and I don't argue anymore. It's like, well, Jesus is is not you know the Son of God. I believe he is, you know, enough said, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go into it anymore. Okay. No more questions. I'm not, you know, um, and you know what, uh, as we're talking, well, you know, even for Christians who believe that it's that they can eat, that that those commandments are not for them today, even if they believe that, yet it says in Romans chapter 14 and other places as well, where it's like, don't do anything that will cause someone else to stumble. And there are a lot of Muslims and Jewish people who would pour in to the church if Christians would just eat as according to Leviticus chapter 11. It's true. Yeah. It's just a lot of honestly, like simple things that most of Western Christianity is not doing. And I don't think a lot of people realize this, but to the rest of the world, Western Christianity is, is, is in a very, very bad light. I mean, Jews and Muslims alike, they look at Christians and they're like, yeah, God, God didn't, you know, ordain us to live a, a YOLO kind of lifestyle, a, a do what's right in your own eyes. Like even they understand the basic concept of being set apart from the world. but. Western Christianity, I mean, they don't realize it, but going to church on Sunday doesn't make you set apart from the rest of the world. It's it's obedience to God, or you just live like everybody else does. I mean, that that's really the only two scriptural options. You you fall in line and live an upright life that's pleasing to God, or you don't. I mean, it's it's that simple. So they've kind of smeared the God of the Bible unintentionally by living how they do. Um, and I didn't, re- I didn't realize this for so many years of being a mainstream Christian. I, I thought, you know, we were being set apart by believing in Jesus, but I mean, most of the world believes in Jesus, a good chunk of the world believes in Jesus, or at least professes to believe in Jesus, you know, and none of them are doing the stuff that makes you set apart per what the Bible tells us. And in 1 John 2, verse 4, I believe, it says, you know, you need to walk like Jesus walked. Well, how did he walk? He loved he walked in loving obedience to the Father. You know, he was he was the word made flesh. He came here, he fully preached the Torah. He showed us how to properly do it. He gave us our example to live by. And we were supposed to walk in his footsteps out of love. Like John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep the commandments. Right. So nobody's doing this, though, that everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. People are, are just like, yep, I, I fulfill the whole law by loving people and I'm going to love them. How You know, I'm going to give them good Christmas gifts. I'm going to say nice things to them. Uh, I'm going to wave at them from my car as I drive by. You know, that's that's what they see as love. They're doing what's right in their own eyes, fully disregarding that in 1 John 5, 2 through 3, it tells us that we are properly loving people and properly loving God by obeying his commandments. Because all his commandments line out how to properly love people and how to properly love God. So we can't just throw the Torah away and do what's right in our own eyes and claim that we're loving people and fulfilling the law. I mean, that's not how it works. Yeah, um, 
I know somebody who is a Muslim who became a Christian and the first thing like from the uh, from the other side of the pond. OK, so the first thing their parent, uh, the not their parents, but their family said to them was, oh, yeah. So now you can do whatever you want. Now you're a Christian. Now you can now you can drink. Now you can smoke. Now you can do all this other stuff. Now you now you can eat. pork. Now you can eat pork. Yeah. You know, that was the thing, you know, and, and that's. It's, it's, it is really the Christianity is in a bad light and you know, it's people, there needs to be people like you and I, uh, will, and other people that are listening, uh, you guys can turn the tide. You guys can change the world. You guys can make a difference. You guys can make a difference so that when, uh, when someone comes into the faith, then they'll say, oh, like there'll be respect instead of looking down. Oh yeah. Okay. Now you become lawless. Now you can eat, now you can eat pork. Now you can, you know, whatever, eat rabbits, <laughs> whatever, eat, eat whatever you want, because now you're a Christian, right? Well, yeah, there needs to be a turning of the tide. I think it is happening, but we need to, I mean, as I say, I've said many times, you guys, you will, and, and others that are listening, uh, you guys have it within your power to, to do that. You can change the, change the world, turn the tides. That needs to be done. Definitely. Yeah, and I think we need to read between the lines in Scripture, too. Like, before I came on, you brought up Isaiah 66, 17. That, well, that's talking about the day of the Lord, Judgment Day. Why Why would he feel that that was pertinent information to tell us about Judgment Day through Isaiah, only to completely change his mind and be like, oh, never mind, I told him this would happen on Judgment Day, but, uh, you know, I, nah, never mind. I gave Peter a vision that you all can take out of context. And now that doesn't even matter anymore. What I said to Isaiah. So, yeah, and in revelation, I mean, I pulled it up here. There's numerous verses mentioning unclean animals and unclean beasts and that, uh, revelation 21, 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter the kingdom of God. You know, why, why are these things still in Revelation if there is no such thing as an unclean animal anymore? Why are they still talking about this post-Christ? The Revelation is post-Christ. This is after Peter's vision. This is after the events of Mark 7 and Matthew 15 and well past Genesis 9. Why are they still talking about unclean animals if God knew that he was just going to make them all clean for us and we could just live like the rest of the world and eat squid, squid wrapped bacon or whatever you guys want to eat. You know, it, it, that's not being a set, that's not being set apart. Right. And that's not understanding the full context of scripture, because if he made all these animals clean for us, why are they still talking about it in an unclean light saying nothing unclean will ever enter the kingdom of God? I mean, and that that's a good point. The the couple of scriptures that I read from those previous previous comments, and again for those of you who are watching, there might be a few of the, few of you that are watching that uh, I did tell you I will get to your comment, and we will get to your comments. By the way, by the by the way, will there was like a, several comments, like a dozen comments or more. I went through uh, and I sent them a message saying I'm going to talk about this tonight, so we'll get through that. But uh, some of those, uh, you know, Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 7, you know, and Luke, where Jesus, you know, taught all the like, nothing that goes into your mouth will defile a man. Well, again, if that is what, if he meant what we think, what Christians today think that he meant, then why would one of his closest disciples, Peter, 
say in Acts chapter 10, no, Lord, far be it from me to eat anything unclean. Exactly. That's years after the events of Mark 7, right? Well, he was sitting right there with Jesus. Why, why wouldn't he have been like, oh, well, duh, Jesus cleared this up for us. Like, I already knew this. We've been eating bacon hoagies for years now. You know, I know, I know. People just don't think they, they, they don't connect the dots. They don't, they don't see, oh, you know, you know, Peter spent three plus years with Jesus. And yeah, Jesus taught this. It's, it seems like once, maybe twice, several different times. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. So Peter had this down. He knew it. He knew what that really meant. And then years later, you know, we got the Acts chapter 10 comes around where he had that vision. And God said, kill and eat, of course, it's symbolic. It's not really yeah, talking. Absolutely. So, so, but Peter's like, oh no, Lord, never, never would I ever do something like that. You know, I'm like, no way, no way. Far be it for me, Lord, to do that. If Jesus taught that it was okay to eat pork or whatever, why would Peter respond like that? Exactly. And when you read through into Acts 11, right? Animals are never mentioned ever again. And he is so puzzled by this dream after the fact. He's like, what did God mean, right? And then you start getting around, I think it's verse 24 and 25, if I'm not mistaken, in Acts 10. But you finally get down there and he's like, oh, he's talking about the Gentiles, right? Like he clarifies his own vision. He wasn't like, oh, God was talking about the Gentiles and also we can eat shrimp now. I mean, and, and later on, he meets Cornelius and he says, right, he makes it very, very clear. God has just shown me like, i.e. the vision. God has just shown me not to call any man unclean exactly. whom God has made clean. So he, he interpreted it very clearly. You know, I also thought about this, too. Might be diving down the rabbit hole a little bit here. But I was thinking about, you know, why didn't God just show him show him the array of of different men, you know, black, white, Chinese women. And I, I just feel like I tried to put myself in those shoes. And if I was Peter and God just showed me a bunch of people, I'd be like, cool. What, what do you, I mean, yeah, it's a bunch of people. You, you told me to preach to the Gentiles. I don't think he ever would have made that connection of clean and unclean. I just feel like God used the animals to really get him in that mindset. Like, Oh, Oh, the Gentiles, that's how we've been looking at the Gentiles, like they're still unclean animals, like ones we're not supposed to eat, even though we're preaching that they can be saved as well. They can be part of Israel now. So I, I really just feel like God had to use those animals because they were seeing Gentiles at like these unclean animals. That's how they looked at them. Maybe not intentionally, especially the new Christians, that's what you want to call them. They were still just Jews following the way, but they, they were looking at Gentiles at like unclean animals, right? So God had to show Peter, he had to be like, okay, you need to get into this mindset where you're not looking at them anymore. You're looking at them as people. You're not looking at them as animals, you know, because if you look all over and you study the cultural context, I'm sure you know this, but they saw Gentiles basically as common, unclean beasts. I mean, they, they weren't even human to them. So God wanted to get Peter because he was the one preaching to the Gentiles. He wanted to get Peter in this mindset of not look at them like they are unclean, common beasts. These are people. You will not call a man unclean or common, 
right? They're all people that I've created. That's that's my two cents on it. Uh, sorry to go down the rabbit hole, but yeah, no problem. Well, uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely in in the culture. It's definitely in in the uh, scriptures as well. We got the Book of Enoch, of course, that clearly defines each different nation as a, as a specific animal. Uh, the nation of the Israelites were the sheep, right? And that's the reason why I believe that Jesus used Yeshua used sheep all the time because he's talking about the Israelites. Um, and that's the reason why he called that woman, the other woman called her a dog, uh, because that's, that's just the way they looked at it back in those days. And that's, you know, that's, that was like common language. So that was like street language, I guess you would call it. And so God spoke that language to them. Yeah. So, um, and it says also in the scriptures, you know, where it says, God says, I will call those who are not a people and I will call them my people. Right. So the same kind of thing. It's like, I will take someone who I would take the those who are not a people and make them a people. It's that same kind of thing. I will take the unclean animals, so to speak, and, and save them and, and they will become clean. All right. So um, let us. Okay, I'm going to pull up this uh, comment here, and Will, feel free to jump in uh, as I read this if you have anything that comes to mind here. Um, so this comment, uh, just a second here. I just need to change the screen around. Okay, so... Uh, was a couple sentences in there? It says... There is no loss at all of fellowship with God for eating food. Uh, Galatians makes this perfectly abundantly clear. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 to 23, Paul says directly that he's not under the law, under Moses' law, and that only the only law he's under are the words of Jesus. Um, sorry, I'm sorry I got to laugh there because I know, Will, you're probably thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Will. It's just the comments like this sometimes make me wish I could turn into a bird and then fly into a fan. I mean, I get, I get this kind of stuff so much and you just, they're not reading the context for the whole of it. I mean, make sure you know what law Paul is talking about before you go, you know, slandering the so-called laws of Moses, right? In Romans seven twenty three, he mentions two different laws in that one sentence alone. Then in Romans 8, 2, same thing. He mentions two different laws. Paul talks about at least seven different laws, and they all just think it's like blanket, always referring to the Torah, and it's not. It's not. Sometimes he's referring to the Talmud. Sometimes he's referring to the laws of Moses. Sometimes he's referring to like carnal and spiritual laws. So I, I think, again, I know you know this, but when reading Paul's letters, we need to be really, really cautious about how we interpret that because you don't want to think he's talking about the laws of Moses when he says you don't got to do these anymore and then you'll meet Jesus and he'll turn you away and call you lawless. So uh, Paul's really complicated. He's like the most complicated writer in the Bible and people just think he's like so easy. They think he's so easy to read and he's not. Yeah, that comment says, uh, 
that Paul said that he's not under Moses' law, but he's under the words of Jesus. Uh, my, the first thing I think of when I when I read that is like, so the, I'm sorry, but this young knowledge seeker goes by this name, young knowledge seeker. If you're listening, uh, by the way, Will, I I invited each one of these people to listen, so I'm not sure. But if you're listening, I would I would have a question for you. The first question is, I would say is. Do you think that Jesus is a sinner? It does. Did he did he disobey Moses' law? And by the way, it's really not Moses' law; it's God's law. God's law. It's yeah. God's law that came through Moses, and not only that, but it came through other all kinds of other prophets as well, not just Moses. But if he's not a sinner, and I'm sure every Christian would agree, he's he was he's not a sinner, which means that he actually obeyed those laws. And so to be more like Jesus would be to, it would mean to actually obey as many laws as you can. Another thing is too, Jesus, Yeshua was a rabbi. He was an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. He, as a rabbi, as a rabbi his job would be to teach the law, to teach the, the quote unquote law of Moses. And he did that. He did that very well. He did that very well. Mm -hmm. And so to say you're not under Moses' law, but you're under Jesus' law, it just absolutely makes no sense because Jesus is all about, he said, you search the law and it speaks all about me. Yep. He said, you know, if you love me, you obey me. But what did he teach? He taught the law. It says in John, he is the word of God. What 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 is the word of God? It's the law. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So if you the more you obey jesus the more you obey the law and vice versa yeah and for those of you listening um i like to make it known that in ezra and nehemiah it flat out states interchangeably that the laws of moses are god's laws they they are god's laws it is not moses's laws it's god's laws given to moses and that is the word that was made flesh into Jesus. Jesus is the Torah made flesh, you know? So I just, I don't understand what, what word do they think is being made flesh here? It, it is the word of God, the Torah. That is the word of God. So that is the word he made flesh. And that's exactly what Yeshua taught. He taught the laws perfectly. All he did was subtract out the Talmudic laws, the fences built around God's laws, the man-made traditions surrounding God's laws. He just preached the Torah. And he even flat out says many times, like John 530, I'm not preaching my own will, I'm preaching the will of God. You know, the Torah are Jesus's laws. They they are one in the same. Yeah, it's like it's law of Christ or the law of Moses. Well, the law of Moses is the law of Christ. The law of Christ, the law of the law of Christ is the law of Moses. They're one and the same. They say they're they're it's the same. <laughs> it's not like two totally different gods, you know. It's the God of Moses is the God of Yeshua. It's the same. The word of Moses is the word of Yeshua. It's the same. I like that you brought that up. And I actually, for many years, I actually struggled with that because. It seemed like the God of the Old Testament was a completely different God than the God of the New Testament. How how the Bible is preached today 
there's a different God in the front of the book than in the back of the book. But when you put all the scripture in context and you understand that God wants us to live obedient, upright lives to please him, everything comes back into context and you realize that the whole book is still applicable and it's all the same God being preached. And he came as the lamb, but Jesus is going to come back as the lion, right? It says he's going to rule with an iron rod. All these people are thinking that Jesus is some kind of like new age hippie, right? Like, like passing out candy corns and, and rainbows and stuff and high five and everybody is totally accepting of no matter what you do, you're accepted by Christ. That's not, that's not biblical. That's not the God of the Bible. And it is the same God in the Old Testament that it is in the New Testament. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to be a lion and not a lamb anymore. And people are going to be very confused when it was just as simple as do your best to live an upright life. Uh, everything that Christ preached, right? Even in, it's it's all over. I mean, I'm running out of ways to tell people how Jesus told us to follow the commandments. Heck, even in, in sorry, to, I don't mean to cut you off or anything. In Matthew 23, it says in the first three verses, when the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, do and observe everything that they tell you to do. Well, if you do any amount of research on Moses' seat, you can pull it up on Bible Gateway. If you do any research about Moses' seat, you'll see that that's where they sat to read the Torah. They were only allowed to read the Torah when they sat in Moses' seat. So he said, when they're sitting in Moses' seat, reading you the Torah, do and observe everything they tell you to do. Right? Then in Matthew 19, he lists off commandments from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. He says, if you want eternal life, follow the commandments. It's all over the place. Matthew 5, Matthew 17, Matthew 19, Matthew 22, Matthew 23. I mean, it, it's all over. It's all over. You mentioned the lion and the lamb there. The first time Jesus came, they were expecting a lion. Mm -hmm. And they got a lamb and totally threw him off. This time, they're expecting a lamb. And they're going to get a lion. Yeah. They're going to get. They're going to get a lion this time. Actually, you know, God, God likes. God likes to like throw curveballs, especially to the people who think they know what they're. <laughs> people, religious people, think they know what they're doing. Actually, really interesting when you read because it was based on on Talmudic rabbinical interpretations that the coming Messiah would basically be a a warrior with an iron fist, you know? Um, so it's interesting when you read that because they were, they didn't get what they thought they were expecting. They they thought the Messiah was going to come as the lion and he didn't. Oh, he's going to come back as the lion though. And there's those, and again, we come back to those two different, there's the spiritual and then there's the physical, there's like the earthly, or I, I don't know how, to, how else to say it, physical versus spiritual. We're talking about that versus like in the, um, in the dietary laws, it's there's the phys, there's the biological, physical, material part of the dietary laws. It's you know it's good for you, good for your body, all this kind of thing. But then you got the spiritual thing too that a lot of Christians don't think about, or even a lot of Torah observers don't think about either. This the spiritual part that you that you mentioned about in the uh, Didache and also the book of the Epistle of Barnabas. Um, but you know, Hey, the lamb is like this taking care of the spiritual thing. The lion is like coming back to take care of the physical thing, set up the yep. physical, uh, you know, material earthly kingdom. I, so, I 
at worst, at worst, the dietary laws, right? Like, let's let's just play the what if game and say we're completely wrong and we can eat whatever we want, which obviously is completely unbiblical when you take into the account all of scripture and look at it as a whole. But let's just pretend, let's just pretend we're wrong. Um, what is the worst thing that could happen of you following the dietary laws when you didn't have to? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Right? This is a this is a physical law to remind you of a spiritual thing. Same thing with zitzits and the linen and wool and every single law of God's, right? You don't wear zitzits as a as a fashion statement, right? It's to remind you of the commandments of God when you're out and about. You you're like, okay, I could do a sinful thing here. I could this guy gave me 20 bucks when when you know from the register when he was only supposed to give me 5. I could I could take it and walk away. It was his mistake. Then you, you know, you look down at your seat seats and you'd be like, okay, it's not right. I need to do what's right here. I give it back. Hey, you were supposed to give me five, not 20, right? It's, it's supposed to remind us to be righteous, to, to try to walk an upright, righteous life. Same thing with the food, right? The food is to remind us not to mix righteousness with unrighteousness, cleanliness with uncleanliness, right? So even if we were completely wrong about the dietary laws, like let's just say we we're completely wrong about the dietary laws, nothing bad would come of it on judgment day for us. What what would God hold us? Why would he hold that against us? There's there's no reason why he would. In fact, this is just playing it safe. You know what I mean? Because he seems to care an awful lot about the dietary laws according to Isaiah 66. But even if we were wrong, it's not like he's going to, he didn't throw anybody into the fire for trying to obey him. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. You got nothing to lose. Actually, you probably grab a few uh, souls on your way of Muslims and Jews that would join you because of your obedience. Absolutely. Um, the rest of that, the rest of that comment uh, is I can the questions and, and comments in the rest of this comment here. Uh, let's just show here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip to the next question because most of this stuff is going to be answered through the next, the next few questions anyway. So let's go over to the next question. Uh, so this is Josh R says, how do you explain first Timothy four verses one to five? The spirit clearly says in latter times, some, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciousness are or have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and, and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who, who believe and know or who know the truth. Uh, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll I'll go with uh, what comes to mind here. First of all, the the context of First Timothy, we don't know. I, I don't know the the details of the context. For example, in Colossians, when Paul said, "Don't let anybody judge you for the Sabbath days and the feast days and all that kind of stuff," most Christians look at that and say, "See, you know, and it's okay for me not to, you know, to break the Sabbath, and you you shouldn't judge me for breaking the Sabbath because Paul says not to judge." 
or you shouldn't judge me for not uh, celebrating the feasts of the Lord because Paul says not to let anybody judge you. But again, in the context, which a lot of Christians don't know the context, is Colossae. He was speaking to the believers in Colossae. So Colossae was a city that was steeped in asceticism. Everybody around them were people who were part of they were ascetics. They they didn't believe in celebrating. They didn't believe in feasting. They thought that in order to serve God, you must always be, you know, go around somber face and never celebrate and you know fasting as much as possible, not eating, not not you know engaging, not in uh, engaging in any kind of you know exquisite food or anything like that. You'd always basically take your bread and water and somber face and go around all the time. So in that context, why would these people judge them for not obeying the feast when they don't believe in the feast? Yep. And, and by the way, for those Christians who are listening, if you're not familiar with this, the Sabbath is a day of celebration. It's a day of, uh, it, it's a celebration, it's, it's a holiday. And one week a day, and one week a week, or excuse me, one day a week is a day of of celebration. It's a holiday. It's a day that you know, in Jewish minds, they would go and they would they would they would have a great time. They'd feast. They'd, you know, they, and that's really a commandment of the Lord too to enjoy the Sabbath. And so, Paul, in context, why would he tell the believers in Colossae, "Don't let anybody judge you for not obeying the Sabbath," when all of the people around them? Don't believe in obeying the Sabbath, and they will judge people for obeying it. So, so basically, what I'm saying is, in context, everything point everything seems to suggest. All the evidence that we have seems to suggest that Paul is telling the believers in Colossae, "Don't let anybody judge you for observing the Sabbath or observing the feast days, because hey, we know." that you do observe the Sabbath. We know that you do celebrate. We know that you do have the feasts and we know that you are stuck in this city of asceticism and they hate it and they will judge you for it. So don't let anybody judge you for it. It's actually uh, ironic in Colossians 2, 15 and 16, because he's talking to people coming out of pagan religions into walking in the way, you know, and same way we get judged for keeping Sabbath or keeping the dietary laws when we come out of Christianity, which a lot of people aren't going to like this, but it's really a pagan religion now. It, it, when Constantine took over Christianity in the third century, it wasn't a good thing. Everybody's like, oh, yes, he was such a good dude. No, he just rebranded all his pagan traditions into Christian ones. So he was actually saying, don't don't worry about them judging you coming out of these pagan religions into serving God. So you're you're absolutely right on that. When you read it in context, he was he was telling them that hey, don't worry about what these people are saying about you, judging you, being mean to you for keeping Sabbath, for keeping the feast days, for keeping the dietary laws. Don't let them judge you for that because uh, you're walking in God's ways. And then if if you don't mind, I actually I actually literally just did a TikTok video breaking down first timothy four because this one's taken out of context all the time first of all the very first sentence you know this isn't talking about us let's let's read it and pull out the context so verse one now the spirit expressly says in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons well 
Your next logical question needs to be, do you think obeying the word of God is deceitful spirits and teachings of demons? Is the Torah, the word of God that made Jesus perfect, that turned into Jesus, do you think that is a teaching of demons? I mean, verse one, if you think any part of the word of God is a teaching of demons, you failed. You have failed your test. That's blasphemy. Yeah. And then verse two, through insincerity of liars, whose consciences are seared, right? What what happens when you sear your conscience? You become hard-hearted and stiff-necked, right? You're like, nope, my way is the only way. You know, that that is not what Torah observers are doing. In fact, when you look through the Torah, God is always making provisions for you. If you can't bring a bull, bring a goat. If you can't bring a goat, bring a chicken. If you can't bring a chicken, bring flour. Right? God always makes a way for you. Following the Torah is not having your conscience seared with a hot iron. It is living an upright, pleasing life to God. And then in verse three, who forbid marriage and require at, let's, hold on, let's stop there. Who forbid marriage. What does the world say? Every single year, the age of marriage goes up and up and up. It's 32 right now. Just a few years ago, it was 29, then it was 27, then it was 25. For thousands and thousands of years, fathers would give away their daughters in marriage. That was what they did, right? They would marry young and they would commit and they would make that relationship work. They wouldn't live a, oh, you know, sleep around, test the field, you're young, right? Torah keepers are not the ones forbidding marriage. The world is forbidding marriage. They want you to go out. They want you to be with so many men or so many women that by the time you finally settle down, your spouse can't even match up to everything you've already experienced. Why do you think the divorce rate is over 50% right now? People aren't getting married young and figuring out how to make their marriage work. They are going out into the world, doing what the rest of the world does. And it is not the people following Torah who are forbidding marriage. So again, right here, verse three, you know, this isn't talking about us. Clearly, the rest of this isn't talking about us either. So when you go on, require abstinence from foods that God created to be received from Thanksgiving. A lot of people say this is the dietary laws. Okay, well, we've already established that literally everything up to this point is not talking about the Torah. So how can you assume that this part about food that God created to be received with Thanksgiving, part of that? Look at our world, right? The diet industry is a billion dollar industry, right? What do all these diets tell you to do? Stay away from carbs. God created carbs. Vegetarian, vegan, don't eat meat, don't eat eggs, don't eat cheese, right? All these things that God created, it's telling you to stay away from them. So the world we live in is propagating billions and billions of dollars worth of industry for telling you to abstain from foods that God created, right? They want you to eat all this Franken food. They're like, look at all this stuff like Bill Gates and all them are doing. They're literally like 3D printing like fake meat. It is insane when you look into this. They want you to eat this beyond meat, right? Like this made up fake GMO patentable meat. They want you to eat that kind of crap. They don't want you to eat what God sanctified as good and holy. None of this, when read in context, could possibly be speaking about anybody trying to obey God in the Torah. Absolutely. And again, it's like 
you're just you're just amplifying like the whole thing is we don't know the context of this. Of course, these people that is spoken of in First Timothy chapter four. I personally don't know of anybody like this. Okay, I know a lot of people who are Torah observers and they don't they don't eat pork. But I don't know anybody like this, like forbidding to marry. I don't forbid to marry anybody. I encourage people to marry. I encourage them to you know to be fruitful and multiply. That's what God says. You know and hypocritical liars and you know things taught by demons abandon the faith no way absolutely not like i remember will when you first when you came on there uh back i believe it was in september i believe it was where you you shared your testimony you said you never you never even dreamed of having such a deep faith a deep relationship with god until you came into this understanding about the torah Absolutely. Uh, it's crazy. You you don't think your walk can like get any deeper. And then when you start falling in line with God's ways, he, he's totally truthful. What does he say in Deuteronomy 11, 26? If you obey me, it is a blessing. And he says, those who seek me, find me, right? He will shine his face upon them. The closer you get to walking an upright life, pleasing to God, the more he blesses you. That is a fact. I have never felt more blessed or more close to the Father and the Son than by walking in the footsteps of the Messiah in obedience and love. Now, does that mean any of us is going to do it perfectly? No, but when you are trying, it deepens your walk. When you are trying to be like Jesus, when you're trying to walk in his footsteps and think about how he would want you to handle this situation, how he would want you to obey this commandment. It totally changes your walk to yeah, a absolutely. level that you didn't even know was possible. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so let's get to the next the next uh, comment, which is from the same gentleman. And he said, let's see here. How do you account for Genesis 9, 3 to 4? Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Quote, but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. Okay, so um, what I would say to this is, again, in context, we cannot just have like a tunnel vision, exegetical, you know, view of scripture. We we can't read scripture with tunnel vision. It's like, it's like pulling out the law book and say, well, when the light turns green, that means go. But what if you run down 50 people in the intersection while you, and the cop comes and says, you know, you're under arrest for doing, well, it says the green light says to go. But yeah, you're not supposed to run people down either. You can't just you can't just isolate one particular law or one particular concept away from the rest of Scripture. So the rest of Scripture tells us that there are things that is unclean and, un, and forbidden for us to eat. So, you know, we can't isolate Genesis chapter 9, verses 3 to 4. Again, it's like isolating one little tiny thing. It's like um, saying, you know, it, it's. I just read a... Uh, a book there of a, a driver's handbook, you know, when the, when the, when the light, the, we call it left turn signal goes green, you can turn left. Okay. But 
<laughs> it doesn't say there not to hit anybody, but of course you're not supposed to hit anybody. I mean, that's just a given. Same thing goes here. It says, yeah, I'll give you everything. But of course it doesn't mean every single thing when God also said not to eat some other things. Well, and if you use a little bit of critical thinking and read between the lines, right? And I have a great video breaking down this one too in my food playlist on TikTok, but let's let's look at verse three. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you as I have given you the green plants, right? Well, does this include poison ivy, hemlock, nightshade? Like, are those food for you? Obviously, it doesn't mean every single thing is food for you. And if we go before Genesis 9, if we go back a couple of chapters when he's loading the boat, he is fully aware of clean and unclean animals, right? And he brings a pair of unclean animals and he brings seven of every clean animal, right? So let's look at this in the context. They're getting off the boat, right? If he only brought one pair of unclean animals, if he ate the male pig, no more pigs anymore, right? But he was eating. He had enough for sacrifices with the clean animals. I mean, Noah, 100%, knew the difference between a clean and unclean animal, and he brought more of the clean animals than he did the unclean animals. If he had ate one of the two unclean animals he brought, no more unclean animals, right? Like, no more pig. So obviously, if you read a few chapters before this, you can figure out that he's not saying, I have given you literally every single thing to eat because you're not going to want to eat poison ivy or hemlock or nightshade, just like you're not going to want to eat pork, right? And if he did eat pork, then we wouldn't have pigs and we wouldn't have to worry about it anymore because he only brought two of them. Absolutely. So it, it, again, it, these people do not see the entire scope of scripture. They don't see how everything you just said there will. And that's, you know, it, it's that tunnel vision, picking out one verse here or just one passage over here and ignoring everything else around it. You can't do that. You can't do that in real life with the laws of the land and you can't do that with the scripture. Oh yeah. Especially with Paul's letters. I mean, you know, like Galatians <laughs> is the worst taken out of book of the entire Bible. They, that one is so horribly cherry picked when you read it in context. You know exactly what he's talking about. It's the sect of the circumcisers, right? Those people thought if they got circumcised, they were good. They didn't need Jesus. They they did that act. They were saved by the God of the Bible, right? And he's saying, no, not a, that's not at all how you are saved, right? So they take it wildly out of context, wildly out of context. When if you read all of Galatians, if you sit down and read all of the chapters and not just, you know, the two chapters in Galatians 5 that you think say you don't have to follow the laws anymore, then maybe you'll understand what's going on in Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, next question here from the same gentleman. Uh, he says, how do you explain Mark 7 verses 17 to 23? It says after, okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there is something here I want to point out. This is, uh, you see right in the middle of this paragraph in brackets, it says in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Okay. That's, that's a big one. And Josh, by the way, if you're listening, very good question. So this is the thing. In Mark chapter 7, uh, actually, let me just start with the whole entire book of Mark. 
there are at least three different problems. And what I mean by problems, I mean portions of scripture that are either A, incorrect, or B, taken way out of context. Mark is not like Matthew or Luke, okay? Mark is uh, one of the books, this is one of the Two things that I would say is something that that's actually goes against Torah. The first thing is what Mark says about uh, marriage. That I'm not going to get into right now. Uh, but that Ma- Matthew and Luke, it, it says something other than that. But here it's talking about Mark says Jesus declared all foods clean. That's in brackets. Jesus didn't say that. That's number one. Jesus did not say that. The, the second thing I will say about that is this. Mark. We don't even know. I mean, scholars don't even know for sure who even wrote Mark. Okay, so who who wrote it? Whoever wrote it, either put that in there or someone else put that in there. What we do know, what I know, is that is not true. Jesus would not, never did, declare thing all foods clean. There are problems about Mark. Okay, again, number one is the the teaching on on marriage, and again, that's a huge topic. I'm not going to get into that. Number two is this particular one. Number three is the teaching of, you know, anybody can take up deadly snakes and drink deadly poison at the end of Mark in Mark chapter 16. That particular portion in in Mark chapter 16 caused a lot of people to die needlessly. There are a lot of people who believed that with all of their heart and they handle the snake handling churches, they drink deadly poison and they guess what happened to them? They died. They died. Oh, but it says in Mark, yada, yada, yada. You know what? I'm sorry, but it's wrong. They died. Same with this. It's wrong. Don't stake your soul on it because you will die spiritually as those other people died physically. There are, there are many, there are problems with the book of Mark. What I will say is this. Anything you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew to Revelation, anything you read in the New Testament, if it goes against what the Torah says, if it goes against what anything it says, anything it says in the Tanakh, either A, you're misinterpreting it, or B, it's wrong. One of those two. Hey, quiet. One of those two. I would, I would highly recommend anybody who studies the book of mark and i'm i'm speaking uh i'm speaking from the point of view i i literally went through every single word of the new testament from the first word of matthew to the last word of revelation every anybody who reads the the new testament and everybody who studies it i highly recommend you do what the men of berea did in acts chapter 17 if anything like this is said that seemingly goes against everything else that was ever spoken, guess what's right and guess what's wrong, okay? Again, it's either A, you're misunderstanding it or misinterpreting it, or B, it's it's just wrong. Uh, again, Acts chapter 17, the men of Berea were noble men, it says. They were honorable men. The Lord never uh, rebuked them for what they did. They were honored for what they did. What did they do? They sat there and they heard Paul out. They're like, Paul, we'll hear you out. We're not going to believe you until we, we, we bounce everything off the Tanakh. 
we're going to take what you say. We're going to see if it goes if it goes against the law of the prophets. If it does, we'll throw it out. If it doesn't, fine, we'll, we'll accept it. It says they study the scripture. They search the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true or not. Or what were the scriptures back in those days? It certainly wasn't the New Testament. The New Testament wasn't even written at that at that time. They didn't have the New Testament, so they took the so-called Old Testament to test what Paul said. And I, I highly recommend anybody do the same thing with anything. Be it Matthew to be it any book in the book of uh, in the uh, in the New Testament, any extra biblical book. We're talking about the Book of Enoch. We're talking about the Didache or the uh, Epistle of Barnabas. Any of those books, if this says anything that comes against any concept in the Tanakh, especially when God says it's to be observed forever, it's um, we are to take God's word over. Uh, any other word uh, as for that matter. So that's what I would say to Josh R about that particular um, portion of scripture. Again, that cannot be true as most Christians understand it to be, because if it is, it means God is a liar. It means God, uh, God's law is done away with, which we know it's not. And, and if that were to be true, if Jesus actually did declare all foods clean, there would be an uproar in that day, in that age, in that culture. Again, Jesus, Yeshua, was a, was a Jewish rabbi teaching the Torah. He wouldn't dare say anything like this. Otherwise, he would be arrested. He would be, he would be taken to the Sanhedrin. He would be charged, you know, tried, convicted for, uh, you know, for breaking the Torah and teaching others to do so. It'd be a serious, serious offense. When he was crucified, when he, when he was on trial, they were looking for, for witnesses against him. They came up with some crazy things and, you know, um, false, you know, false charges, false allegations, but nobody even came up with this one because it's so blatantly false. Jesus never did teach against the, the the laws of the Torah about about foods never did he teach that and again one of the, one of the um, evidences of that it also is as we as we said earlier is Acts chapter ten uh, Peter would have known it Peter would have known that very well and he he didn't <laughs> he he's like Lord I would never eat anything unclean you know that Lord you know I wouldn't eat anything unclean God forbid. What would you say, uh, Will? I think whenever they're talking about food, you got to consider what food is in Scripture. Like, is is this food to you? Is is this Australian Shepherd food to you? Is house cat food to you? No, pork was not food to Jesus. So if he declared all foods clean, it was what God considered food, right? He what he was in that whole context of that is that the Pharisees are getting on. Jesus for his disciples not washing their hands, not following those Talmudic laws, because they believed if you ate food with dirty hands, it was just as bad as eating unclean animals. So when Jesus is talking about food, he didn't consider pork food. He didn't consider shrimp food. He didn't consider Australian shepherd or house cat food, right? So when he declared all foods clean, He's most certainly not talking about pork as food. And again, like you said, Jesus did in brackets that Jesus did not say that. He's not like, oh, I'm declaring all, all food clean. That didn't happen. Acts 10 proves that 
he didn't declare all animals clean in Mark 7, right? Not to mention he was surrounded by Pharisees who had been testing him and testing him every single chance that they get to try to get him to trip up, break in the Torah, so they finally have a reason to get rid of him. If he had declared all foods clean, he would have gone against Torah and they could have arrested him on the spot, right? They didn't because that's not what he was talking about. They knew what he was talking about. When he said food, he wasn't talking about pork. Pork was not food to him. Yeah, Jesus was not saying you can go out and have a plate of scorpions with a side salad of uh, poison ivy. Yep. That sounds like a really horrible meal anyways. And that must be that must be a really horrible rabbi just to even teach something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Probably wouldn't. Go ahead. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I probably wouldn't taste. I don't know if it would taste all that good anyway. But go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Probably be pretty spicy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit spicy. Um, I, you guys can eat your eating your unclean food can can have the your scorpion poison ivy salad. I'll pass on that one. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I actually, it's funny you brought up the whole tent revival scorpion stuff. You know, um, I did a lot of thinking on that one, and uh, jumping off subject just a smidgen, but um. He was talking directly to the disciples, right? He's saying, when you go out, you're not going to be harmed, right? Just like in Acts 28, Paul got bit by the snake, right? And nothing happened to him. The viper got him. He, he talked to him. He was like, you know what? If you go out ordained by me to do this, none of this stuff's going to harm you. That's definitely not saying that any one of us can pick up a cobra and get bitten by it and be okay, you know? So people, again, that's uh, just taking scripture out of context. You need to know when he's talking to these people and when he's talking to you or when he's talking to both. And I personally don't believe when he said, you know, you'll you'll go out and the, the venom of the snake won't hurt you. I don't think he at all was talking to every random person that claims to be a Christian. Yeah, I certainly wasn't telling them to go and do what the snake handling churches d uh, do, for yeah, sure. No kidding. <laughs> Next question. Um, actually, this is not a question, but this is a comment that I thought would be worth mentioning here. Uh, so O'Neill started out by saying, what about the what about instructions to the Gentiles acts at 21, 28 to 29? Mimi responds. I think this is a really good response. Uh, those laws were set in place for the new the new Gentile converts who were not raised with Torah instructions so as to not uh, overload them, expecting that these new converts would be attending Sabbath day teaching at the temple. I grew up attending Baptist, Methodist, and other denominations with the traditional teachings. And after an injury that, that put me home, I had been able to study in depth and the scales removed from my eyes. God is so much more amazing that I ever knew my relationship had been most had mostly been with fellow worshipers and not so much with God. Now my relationship is much stronger with God. Seek and you will find. And Will, that reminds me of what you know. Again, your testimony. Uh, this particular, I'm not. I don't know who this is, but Mimi uh, seems to really hit it on the hit the nail on the head right there. Oh yeah, that was that was great. I I agree, and you know it's kind of the same thing as in Acts fifteen. A lot of people are like, oh well, these are the only four laws that they gave for for the Gentiles, and it's like, well, what does the rest of the context of that scripture say? Because he's like, well, 
knowing that every Sabbath, someone's preaching the law of Moses, you know? So he's literally saying like, this is, this is the starting point. These four you need to do right now. And then you'll learn and observe more in the synagogue every week, right? God doesn't expect you to go from one to a hundred. Like we all baby steps, like milk to meat, you know? And, um, even in actually funny, I have it written down right here. Cause I did a TikTok video not too long ago about it, but the four laws that they said that all the Gentiles needed to follow right away in Acts 15 were actually in the Torah, right? So the whole thing about being circumcised in Acts 15 is because Paul actually knew that the Torah said it was only for eight-day-old babies, which can be found in Genesis 17, 12, and Leviticus 12, 3, right? It doesn't say anything about adults needing to get circumcised, and that was the whole context of that thing. But when they brought up, you know, abstaining from idols, that's Leviticus 26, 1. When they said abstain from sexual immorality, that's the entire chapter of Leviticus 18. When they said avoid eating things strangled, that's Leviticus 17.13. When they said avoid blood, that's Leviticus 17.14 and Leviticus 19.26. So they were teaching the Torah. They, they were like, these are the parts of the Torah you need to know right now. And all of them were obviously already observing Sabbath. I mean, that was just a given, you know? So... It's just, oh man. Yeah, it's like a whole, all these Gentiles coming in and they know nothing about the Torah. They know nothing about the scriptures at all. They're like completely, and most of us can't really understand, can't even fathom what that would be like because most of us grew up, you know, and we've heard about the Bible. We've heard about God. We heard, but a lot of these Gentiles didn't know, not, they, they knew nothing. They're like, just like, you know, they're clueless basically, but they're, they're, they come in and they're like, okay, you know, we want to know what we're supposed to do. Like, how do we get started? It's like, well, yeah, we're not going to throw all these old guys on the table right now and circumcise them. I mean, that's not going to, that's not going to, you know, um, we'll give them these four laws. And the idea is this is a starting point, right? Yeah. And, and to think that it's the only, like the be all end all is, is, I can't think of another word, but other than it's just stupid because why would God just say, oh, it's four laws and no, it, it, you're not to learn or, or observe anything more. No, of course, as you go, you learn. And as you learn, you know, you are to put that into practice as Yeshua said himself, like the, like the more you, the more you learn, the more is expected of you. Yeah. And I, I hate to put it this way, but honestly, I, I feel like it's kind of laziness. It's, it's people want to do what the easiest thing possible. They, they want to settle. They don't want to dig deeper. They don't want to keep going. They want to take the easiest road possible. And it, it just really gets me because when you start learning to read the Bible in context and you, when you start taking into consideration the whole of scripture and then you see people saying stuff like this. It just, it just, man, it drives me crazy. Cause it's like, just dig a little bit deeper. You're just, you're scratching the surface with this thought. Like you can go so much deeper and I don't understand why people don't want to do that. Why don't you want to have a deeper relationship with our creator and the savior that he sent us? Why don't you want to dig deeper? And as Paul says, walk into the throne room of judgment with boldness, right? I don't know that I'll ever feel that confident, but we should at least try to work towards that. You know, Paul was like, why? I, I, I love this. I can't remember exactly where in Paul's epistle it is, but he says, when you're running a race, 
are you not trying to win it? Like you, you didn't just join it for, for funsies. You know, you didn't do it for a participation trophy. You did it to try to win the race, right? And the, and the prize associated with that race. And so many people just want, it seems like they want the participation trophy. They don't want to try to win the race. They don't want to try to deepen their walk or their relationship. And it's really sad because this is literally the most important thing in any human's life at all this is this life is our test right the next life is our reward so why don't you want to get an a on this test you know what nothing matters in this life other than figuring out what our god and our messiah need us to do in order to get that to get that reward or or whatever you want to call it in the next life Amazing. That's awesome, Phil. I'm Will. I'm sorry to call you Phil. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, I think a lot of Christians, they, they, they don't really put it like serious, like how you're saying they're, they're really not very serious with God. It's just, they, they, they just take their little day and that's all they, like they, they hold it so dearly and they do everything they can to, you know, to protect their little cliche Christianity, but they don't go beyond that. They don't really go like, like how Mimi was saying, like she, she had some time off because of an injury and she studied and that's the key right there. I mean, think for yourself. And this is what we're always saying. I know I'm always saying it. And I, I you know, I know, Will, you'd be saying that as well as hey, study, think for yourself, read for yourself, study for yourself, research for yourself self you know um it, don't just take it as like we're not saying you know i don't think phil or anybody else or why do i why do we keep on saying phil <laughs> i got a, i got a friend of mine by the name of phil so um yeah i don't think that will would be uh um would now i lost my train of thought now yeah i mean we got to study we got to study to to show ourselves approved we got it we got to and as we study and think critically, then we'll understand it'll, it'll open up like a, a, an entirely new world, like how Mimi said and how you said, Will. Uh, it is, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, let's get to the next uh, comment. The next comment is truth unfolded, pretty much the same as before, but this person says the dietary law was abolished. Every creation of God is good and nothing to be refused it is sanctified by prayer and the word of god pretty hard pill to swallow for some well i think that the pretty hard pill to swallow is that the dietary law is god's law it's eternal it's the word of god it's not temporary nowhere does it say in the tanakh nowhere does it say in the in the torah out of the hundreds of thousands of things that it says in the torah in the law nowhere nowhere does it say there's an expiry date on this mm -hmm. you know nowhere does it say you know this you know this is this is temporary only until the messiah comes in fact it says the the, the opposite um let me just pull this out you know second kings 17 i'm sure you're familiar with that will yep second kings 17 14 second kings 17 verse 37 37 um, let, me, let me see if i can pull this up here yeah, like this is just one example out of many. Starting right here. And the statutes, the ordinances, the law, 
And in the Hebrew, that means the Torah and the commandment, which he wrote for you. You shall be careful to observe until the Messiah comes. for those of you who are listening to me and you're not hearing, you're not seeing the, uh, the the graphics. No, it doesn't say that. It says you are to be careful to observe this forever, forever, forever. So that's you know, dietary laws are abolished. Oh yeah, yeah. So so God just made the dietary laws. Just I guess truth unfolded. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but I think you need to un- unfold a little bit more truth. With all due respect, I don't think that God just made dietary laws just just because he feel he just felt like making more laws. And then one day he woke up. He said, "Ah, I'm going to scrap these anyway." Even though I told my people 65 times or forever, ah, forget it. Sorry, guys, I lied to you for 1500 years. I'm going to scrap it. Yeah, you know what gets me is they think that for the first 4,000 years. God was just some unreasonable tyrant that delivered his people from slavery only to put them back under bondage with laws that he knew they could never follow just to show them that they were sinners. So that 2000 years after that, he could throw them all to the curb and say, you know what? Just say Jesus name and you're good. I like, I don't get, I don't get. It sounds like a joke. It sounds like a joke when you actually, when you actually tell it the way it really is. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even think it. They don't really even think about what they're really believing. Do you really believe that, that God is like, well, God is love. Yeah. And God never changes. Yeah. Okay. So the loving God who did not want his people to be in bondage, who bent, bent over backwards and with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand delivered his beloved children out of the bondage of Egypt just to throw another bondage on them. Yeah, just to say, you know what? I know these laws are impossible to follow. They're to show you that you're sinners and then you got to do this for a few thousand years and then I'm going to send my son to get tortured for you so that you literally don't have to do pretty much anything and then you can come up here and share in all the blessings of my covenant without any of the responsibilities of it. Yeah, that's a big one that you just touched on there. Like the law, that's what Christians believe that the law is only there just to show you that you're sinners. That's not what God said. God's not like that. He's not like, well, let me just, let me just see what I can do just, just to make these people feel bad. No, he's like, these are the instructions for blessing for your life. And he actually said that many times throughout, throughout the Torah and the Tanakh. This law, these instructions are for your good, for your good. Not once does it say, this Torah that I've given you, now that I give the Torah, Moses, this is only, the only purpose for all of this that I've done is just to show you that you're a sinner. That's all. It's all that's what it's all about. Doesn't make sense. These people don't think. Slavery wasn't bad enough. They needed to be shown that <laughs> sinners too. Yeah, that's it. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, Sam Sue says, faith in Christ is what makes you a Christian, not a diet requirement. It's more important what comes out of the mouth. Sounds good, Sam. Um, The thing is, what is faith in Christ? What does that mean? Faith, okay? Faith is, uh, uh, again, Christ, the Messiah, being being a Jewish rabbi. What does it mean to have faith in a rabbi? You ask any Jewish rabbi today, what does it mean? You know, you Jewish rabbis today have their own disciples. 
he asked the Jewish rabbi, what does it mean to have faith in you? What does it mean if I become a disciple of yours, what does it mean to have faith in you? Well, it's, it's pretty clear. Number one, to obey what they say, like to do what they say, to follow their instructions. As rabbi means teacher, you're supposed to take the teaching and follow the instructions. Number two, to follow their example. And again, Jesus, Yeshua, everything he taught was Torah. He was a Jewish rabbi. And he lived in complete obedience to Torah, or else he would be a sinner and not a savior. So faith in Christ means to, to, to obey the commandments. You cannot disobey the commandments and say you have faith in Christ unless you're just ignorant. I mean, I'm not saying that to be, you know, I'm just saying, I mean, honestly, ignorant. You can't have faith in Christ and then disobey the instructions of Christ, the Father. Oh, yeah. um, you know, go ahead, Will. Can you uh, pull up James 2.24 for everybody? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, James 2.24. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I hear it a lot. We're saved by faith alone, and that's not what the Bible says. Yeah. Uh, just a second here. James 2.24. The only place, the only, only place in the Bible that, that has the phrase faith alone is in James 2.24. So for those of you faith alone people, uh, James 2.24 should be your, that's your homework. Take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> James 2.24. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Uh, any questions? Yeah, and they think faith is like some New Testament concept, like it didn't exist before, but what does Habakkuk 2.4 say? Um, if you don't mind pulling that one up too. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It's a good one because, I mean, the whole thing about, like the whole Protestant thing about your, your, you are, uh, the, ju the just shall live by faith, right? The whole Protestant thing, the whole, that whole thing, the New Testament idea of the just shall live by faith, a lot of Christians, I think they don't understand. They don't realize, they don't, they don't realize that the just shall live by faith is not a New Testament thing. It, it is a, it is a so-called Old Testament thing. Habakkuk 2.4, behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. That's so-called Old Testament. Yeah. And by the way, this word live, that is what, that, that means salvation. That's, that means, that, that's uh, eternal life there. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's, there again, it's just the result of not taking in context as a whole and just reading tiny little bits to fit the narrative you want to look at. Because when you look at it, I truly, I don't believe that even James, who seems to be the most preacher of righteousness and obedience, versus Paul, who seems to be the, the most lenient, like faith only kind of person. I think they had the same doctrine. They say so much of the same stuff, but it's a dichotomy, right? Like, like Paul was speaking to people at the time. If we look at Galatians, he was speaking to people that thought they were justified by an act of 
of something physical. They thought they got circumcised, they could cut out Christ, they were saved, right? And then you look at you look at James, and he was talking to people who were just well, he was talking to he was talking to both uh, Gentiles and Jews, but but when he says that we're saved by you know our works and not by faith alone, he's just hitting the other side of the spectrum. Right, it, it, your faith is supposed to lead to obedience, and your obedience is is supposed to increase your faith. Right, it was always both of them. It wasn't faith alone, and it wasn't works alone. It's always both. Right, your your faith is supposed to lead to your works. And this this is just a this is just a speculation, a thought. Like we know that Paul came from the tradition of Hillel, right? Because he, I mean the the whole the whole thing about the Book of Acts saying that he it, like. Trained under Gamaliel, which is the grandson of Hillel. Hillel was known for his very liberal theology and his very liberal. I mean, for those for those for those Christians listening, that you you think that Pharisees were always so strict and hard, rigid. Hillel certainly wasn't. He was very very liberal. Okay, um, so it, it just could be that that. That's Paul. That's the kind of Hillel kind of thing coming out of Paul, or at least that past influence coming out of Paul. Whereas James could, could have been more of the Shammai kind of um, guy. I mean, I'm just saying speculation. It's true, but I do want to put it for for people watching. If you don't mind, do you mind pulling up a few verses for me? Yeah, go ahead. So if you pull up James one twenty two. Yeah, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Right, and then pull up Romans two thirteen. For not the hearers of the law are just doers of the law shall be justified. Right, and then we have um, we have uh, I can't can't remember the verses right offhand. It's James. Um, hold on. I'll tell you in just a sec. So for James 2, 8. Right, so... James 2, 8, if you fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Paul says the exact same thing in Galatians 5, 14. Right? The whole, the whole mm -hmm. law is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. So they, they were preaching a lot of the same stuff, but they both knew that the answer to this one was 1 John 5. Two through three. If you obey God, you are loving the children of God properly and you're loving God properly. That obedience always plays a part. So, 1 John 5, 2 through 3. By this, that we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So they they both knew that when you were obedient to God, you were fulfilling the royal law. 
But uh, you can see a lot of these, a lot of these um, parallels between like even James and Paul, who seem to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's just who they're speaking to as to which side comes out. You know, it, your faith is is always been a requirement, but so is your obedience. You know, part of the covenant is that we are obedient to God. It is a blessing if we are obedient to God. And that's and how know, we are you, set apart people. You know, faith in the in the Hebrew uh, is speaking more of the of faithfulness. So it's translated faith, but faithfulness as well, which also resonates with what Yeshua said, that those who endure to the end will be saved. Not just those who say the sinner's prayer and it's okay what you do, you'll be covered. But those who endure to the end will be saved. And many times, even throughout Paul's epistles as well, he said, you'll be saved if you, you know, basically the whole thing is staying on the path, being faithful, walking it out. Uh, and I think that's a very, very uh, important thing to realize too. When, when the New Testament is talking about faith, a lot of times it has that in the background. It has that whole Hebrew concept of faith as well, where it's talking about faithfulness, not just some kind of mental acknowledgement, but rather a faithful walk. Let's check, let's check out another comment here. Sundown. I think I saw Sundown there in the comments there earlier. It says, Yeshua came to fulfill what was spoken about him to die on the cross. Yes, he, he lived according to the Torah, but remember that scriptures were written, given with God's instructions on how to walk, what food to abstain from. The Apostle Paul said to not burden them, the Gentiles, as long as they abstain abstain from four things, which was fine with the Holy Spirit. And, and that is probably because down the road, they would be taught correctly. Christian needs, Christians, I guess, need to be taught without bringing condemnation upon them. Uh, when they are talked, when they are talked to as brethren in Yeshua, the Spirit of God will do His work in convicting them. So that's kind of like what we're talking about earlier. Um, the four things that was given was, it's actually just a point. Anything you want to say there, Will, before I go to the next? So I want to I want to bring up one point. I want your opinion on this. That, that last um, sentence, he says, Christians need to be taught without bringing condemnation upon them. How, how come do you think... It always seems like we are condemning people by simply pointing out what the scripture actually says. Because I get that a lot. People are always like, you're condemning people to hell with your teachings. You know, you're condemning them for, for eating pork. And it's like, I don't know why this feels like condemnation to you, but I'm simply sharing what the scripture says in its entirety. They feel they feel like you're condemning them, like how this person thinks maybe I'm condemning somebody, uh, only because they're guilty. If they weren't guilty, then they they wouldn't feel they wouldn't feel any condemnation at all. It's probably you know speak of the Holy Spirit. It's probably the Spirit of God that's convicting them. I would. I mean, we're we're not we're not condemning I and mean, we're not pointing out anybody like normally. I mean, sometimes sometimes I'm put in a situation where I got to point out some stuff and condemn condemn some stuff. But normally, like you and I will, we're talking and we're not condemning. The whole idea is not to condemn people. The whole purpose and drive behind what we're doing is to bless people, to bring people to to share what God has done in our lives and and to share what we have. I mean, it 
I'm sure, Will, you, you, um, you know, you're with me on this. It's like when God shows you something new, like it, every step of the way, it's just so exciting. It's so like, we just got to share this. And that's the reason why, why we do what we're doing. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, for, for anybody watching, I, you know, I, I never go out and I am like, you're going to hell if you eat bacon, you know, we're not the judge. I'm not, I'm not going to be the ultimate say as to where you end up in eternity. You know, I'm simply wanting to share with you scripture in its entirety and ask you to look into it for yourself objectively, like, like take your emotions out of it and just say, okay, what does this really mean? Am I considering everything here? And does this mean what I was taught it means? You know, but it it feels like condemnation to a lot of people, I think, but that's never what we're doing. I'm just simply sharing scripture in its entirety and hoping that you'll look at it for yourself objectively and come to your own conclusions. You know, I'm not the judge. I'm, I'm not going to say if, you know, John Smith is going to go to hell because he eats bacon every single day, you know, but I'm going to tell you that scripture seems to seems to allude to you know like Isaiah 66 17 bad things happening to people that willfully disobey even God's dietary laws but but again at the end of the day you know we each person's walk is their own um it's just our job to share with you what scripture says what does it say in Ezekiel 33 9 you know if you if you know the truth and and you share it and they choose to disregard it, that's on them, but you'll save your soul, right? Like, but if, if you don't share it with them, then their blood is on your hands, right? Like we are guilty of it for not sharing the truth with them. So I, I really don't understand unless like, like exactly what you said, unless they are feeling convicted by it because they know they probably shouldn't be doing it. Um, that's the only reason I would think it would feel like condemnation because that's not at all what we're doing. We're just sharing what scripture says, which is what we're told to do. Yeah, I'm sure it shocks you as much as it shocks me. Sometimes it's like when someone say you're, you're, you're looking down on people or you're beating or you're beating people over the head. I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, that's foreign to me. I, I, that's again, I'm just we're just sharing our our joy. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see what else we got here for comments. Uh, are these Christians Christian laws or Jewish laws? That's what somebody else said. Are these Christian laws or Jewish laws? Uh, I would say to that, in the first century, there really wasn't any difference. I mean, there were different sects um, of Judaism. The way was called Christians in, in Antioch. Um, the way those who believed that Yeshua was the Messiah, um, they went to the Jewish synagogue. They didn't build their own church. They obeyed Torah. They observed all of the Sabbaths and the dietary laws and the feasts and all that kind of thing. Uh, there were no difference. They worshipped with all the other Jews. They worshipped with, with, in the synagogues. They went to temple. Daily, it says. So I don't think that, you know, in, in the first century, at least the mid, mid first century, once you get towards the, the latter part of the first century, then it starts to get a little bit murky. But, but 
there, there really wasn't any difference. It's like to be a real believer in Yeshua was, that was the, that's just part of the thing. When the Gentiles were coming in, in, in Acts chapter 15, it's like, well, what are, what are we going to do with these guys? What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, what would you, uh, what would you say to, uh, are these Christian laws or Jewish laws? Oh, I mean, just, just what you said. I, I mean, it's uh, honestly, it's both or just, if you can even really make a distinction, because like you said, it, they called it a sect, right? It was a sect of Christian or Judaism. So Christianity wasn't really like Jesus didn't come to make a new religion. He came to show everybody how to properly do the one that already existed because they were going off on a bad path with all these man-made traditions and laws. So it's honestly hard to say if it's, Christian or Jewish, because technically there shouldn't be a distinction. It, we yeah. were supposed to be one, the body of Christ, right? Like Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. You're all one in the body of Messiah. So it wasn't supposed to be, this is for Jews, this is for Christians. It was supposed to be, this is for the followers of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The next uh, comment here, I... I thought I'd just put this up here just because probably some people wouldn't know this. Uh, it's not really a question, but it says British favorite traditional black pudding is made from blood. Filipino favorite stew, not sure how to even pronounce that, is also made from blood. Uh, why do millions of Christians have this fascination and craving for eating pork blood? Why are we silent on this issue? The, the, the scripture clearly states that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from fornication. So, yeah, I thought I'd just share that because uh, some there might be somebody out there that doesn't really know, but um, it's quite gross to me to even read that. Yeah, I guess good thing I don't eat black pudding or whatever that was. Uh, but it, it is, he brings up an interesting point. Even if, even if you say it's the 10 commandments or, or the two commandments or just the four in Acts five, that's another thing nobody can get on the same page with. Is it the four in Acts five? Is it the two in Matthew 22? Or is it the 10 commandments, you know? Um, but when you really even look at all of those, most Christians still don't even follow, still don't even follow those. Right. Like if they're out there eating that, blood pudding which just sounds horrible but um i just i don't get it um how can people fool themselves into thinking they're being obedient to something when they're not doing it yeah exactly and yeah yes yeah yeah says dude ate locusts and wild honey they were scavengers themselves so apparently yeah yeah um seems to want to um uh dissect the dietary laws there. I, I, I just want to say this about that. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I do this myself, but you know, it, it, it's when, when we read the dietary laws, it's so easy to, to ask why, like, God, why did you say don't eat pork? Or why did you say don't eat lobsters or something like this? And so we, we draw our own conclusions, but it doesn't say, and it could say, I mean, God could have just said to, to Moses, you know, don't eat scavengers. But that's not what he said, right? So I would say, you know, that's kind of trying that this is kind of entering into the realm of 
trying to understand things for your like lean not into your own understanding in that sense. Um, take take it for what it really says, what the scriptures say. Uh, don't really read too much into it. Um, God didn't say don't eat scavengers. Period. He gave specific laws and um, yeah. What would you say, Phil? I mean, honestly, Will, if you, if you even want to talk about locusts? That that is one of the bugs we are allowed to eat. I still don't particularly want to eat them, but that is you know like the main bug we're allowed to eat. But really, they just eat grass and produce, right? Like the locusts come in and destroy crops. They eat crops, so that's not even unclean. It's not like locusts are like dung beetles or anything, you know. And then when you talk about honey. I don't even know why it, why anybody would challenge that. God said, I'll give you a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, honey's a good thing. And bees, that they get it from, from flower pollen. It's not like they're out stripping, you know, dead carcasses to make their honey. So I wouldn't even think that those go against like scavengers at all because the locusts as bugs and bees don't, don't scavenge carcasses or 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 go get their food from filth you know they get it from plants um from pollen from nectar so i don't even think those go against the dietary laws at all i wouldn't even consider them scavengers yeah i wouldn't consider a locust a scavenger and wild honey is definitely not a scavenger but i think the the idea here with this particular individual is that wild honey was produced by bees and bees are known for perhaps eating meat or something like that too i know bee, well, bees have yeah god didn't say eat eat the bee you know? <laughs> the, he, didn't, he never told us to eat the bee you know but we can eat, yeah, eat the bees <laughs> yeah that's the thing right and this is the thing and we talked about this so many times and it's like christians need to have to polish up on their critical thinking skills like, what does it actually say what does it not say and that's one thing that really we come back to time and time again tonight the next uh, comment is by angela she says uh please excuse me i'm not judging or saying anything bad because i appreciate you god loves you and so do i but if you if you abide by the old covenant and the rules of our father then you must abide by all 613 laws correct also did Jesus come and die for nothing? Jesus came to give us new life. Okay, so there's a lot There's a lot there to unpack. I don't want to get into a whole lot there tonight. But let's just talk about the 613 laws thing. It should be well known that Christians use that as a selling point. They use that as a selling point. It's like, wow, there's 613 laws there's no way you can obey all 631 you break them all and they, they they it's a sales pitch for jesus although it's seems to be for a good cause it, it, it's not good because they're they're lying it's not truth it's not the truth so god jesus doesn't need a lie to sell people to, you know to mm -hmm. to get people to follow him he doesn't need a salesman um 613 laws that actually comes from the Talmud, right? So it does. Yep. Yeah, it comes from the Talmud. It's not in the Bible. So though so all these Christians who just always talk about 613 laws, 613 laws, it's like, where do you get that from? Well, the truth of the matter is they probably heard it from their pastor or some evangelist, and they heard it from somebody else way down the grapevine. 
And it comes, it comes from the Talmud. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, and, and so the sage, the, or the, the rabbi who counted the 613 laws is challenged himself. A lot of the, there's a lot of Jews say that they have counted them themselves and they don't count 613. They say it's incorrect. Actually, you so, are a hundred percent right on that. I actually, I have a printed out list of the 613 mitzvah right here. I've been going through a series that I started on TikTok called the Torah portion, where we break down each one of these mitzvahs and look at their, look at where they're cited in the Torah. And I've gone through a little bit over 20, I think in the Torah portion so far. And only about half of them are actually commandments in the Torah. They actually make up a lot of stuff. Um, I, I don't want this to sound, you know, like anti-Semitic or anything, but a lot of the supposed 613 laws are, are Talmudic made up laws or fences that aren't even actually God's commandments. So I'm curious to see by the time I get to the end of this, how many actual commandments you can extract from the Torah that are still applicable because it, it's a hundred percent, not 613 laws. Like without a shadow of a doubt, it's not, you know, that's the commonly accepted number. And I, I often say that, you know, the 613 laws, just cause that's what people have heard, but it's not 613 laws. I know you've said this a bunch of times and I agree, you know, God didn't feel the need to number them, right? If, if you read the Torah and study it and you can obey this commandment, if it applies to you, then then do your best to do it, you know? And to to think that 613 laws, even if it was that many, is like a deal breaker. Are you kidding me? There's like, there's tens of thousands, millions even of laws in countries, right? Like the United States at minimum recorded has over 60,000 laws I've heard it stated that if you break it down to federal, county, city, you know, all these local laws, you can get past the millions. So you're not like walking out your door every day like, how am I going to follow the one million laws in the United States? I mean, 613 is not that bad when you pick up a law book and you read it from the United States. Absolutely. I, I, I heard the number. I, I didn't count, so I can't confirm it. I heard that in, the, in America alone, it's like f- f- at least 4 million. That's what I've heard that some lawyer, you know, he claims that he counted or put numbers together from different sources. But yeah, I mean, in most of these people, they would count themselves as law abiding citizens. Yeah. So if you're a law abiding citizen, that means you obey at the least tens of thousands of laws, at the most over 4 million, 613 is nothing. Oh, yeah. And you even got to consider, too, I know we don't want to spend too much time on this, but you got to consider the fact that thinking that you have to obey all of them is just unbiblical because a lot of the laws don't apply to you. At least a third of the laws in the Torah are only for priests, which we don't have anymore. You're not expected to keep the laws for priests or kings or judges unless you're a judge, right? Or farmers or women. You know, there's laws just for women. Is a man supposed to keep that? That's like saying a residential house has to abide by the laws for a commercial building 
you know, it just doesn't make any sense. If if you make $60,000 a year, are you required to abide by the tax laws for people that make over a million dollars a year? No, you're not. So obviously not all these laws apply to you, just like in your own country, not every law applies to you. If you're not even in the bracket, then you don't have to follow it. Even Yeshua didn't obey all the laws because they didn't all apply to him. Absolutely. The question is, why did Jesus or did Jesus come and die for nothing? Uh, Jesus came to give us new life. Okay, so that's a question and basically a, a statement. Yeah. So the the number one thing, the greatest the greatest thing that Yeshua Yeshua, Yeshua came to expound. Upon, first of all, he came teaching Torah. Okay. He, he expounded upon the Torah. He set some things straight. He unpacked the Torah, okay? Second of all, he came to live it, to show us how to live it. Thirdly, when he came to die, okay, he, the, greatest, the greatest benefit of his death and resurrection is, if only, is applicable only if we identify with that. As Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's that's it right there. And as even like Paul says in Colossians as well, we died with him, we rose with him. So the whole idea of him dying is so that we can identify with that. We can die to our sinful selves and we can be raised and in, in newness of life, Torah observance life. Oh, yeah. If we die to sin, like, and how, I mean, when you say, I am crucified with Christ, you're not saying, oh, he, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the ground and Jesus is up there on the cross. He died for me. That's not what it says. That's not the entirety. That's not the, the be all end all of the gospel. The meat of it is is saying, I am crucified with him. And if you're crucified with him, you are dead. As Paul said in Colossians, as he said in Romans chapter 6, if you are dead, you die with him. How can you who are dead to sin live in it any longer? That's Romans 6 too. Oh, yeah. So he come to die to give us power to repent of our sins so that we can walk it out, so we can live the Torah, so we can live and, and obey God's commandments with freedom and power, you know, to give us, to give us that, that power. You know, grace is the gift of power, empowers us to walk it out. It's not just a covering. and It's not like God is so weak he can't deliver you from that bondage. No. He can certainly deliver you from the bondage of sin. And that's what it's all about. Well, and on a deeper level, I agree with everything you said. And on a deeper level, uh, the father is righteous. He obeys his own laws, you know? So if we really examine scripture, God married the house of Israel at Mount Sinai, right? And that's, that's what the feast of Shavuot is about, right? It's like a marriage feast. So, in Jeremiah 3, he divorced the house of Israel and sent them away with a certificate of divorce. And in Deuteronomy 24, we find the laws for divorce. If a woman was defiled by another and sent away with a certificate of divorce, 
her husband could never remarry her if she came back because that's considered an abomination to God. So Israel could have never come back into covenant with God unless the original holder of the covenant died, right? When Jesus came here with the power of the Father in his name and died, he nullified that original marriage covenant, meaning Israel could come back into covenant again. So when he said salvation is of the Jews, before he, he meant it, they were the only ones in covenant. In Jeremiah three, when you read it, um, he kept he kept the house of Judah in covenant because of his love for David. When he sent the other ten tribes of Israel away with a certificate of divorce, so honestly, we could not be in covenant with the Father if if Yeshua didn't come. And die and nullify that original contract, that original marriage contract between the father and Israel. So it, it's pretty deep when you when you look on multiple layers. Awesome. I'm uh, going to the next comment here. We got several different. I see we got a lot of comments in the live chat. These are the older comments, but uh, Avinash Avinash. Uh, said, sir, please make a video on Isaiah 66, 17. I'm very confused uh, with other YouTuber videos. You explained very well and in depth. So it's my request to make sound information video on above. I'm Indian and sometimes can't understand actual Bible teachings. Sometimes seems to be tough to actually understand real meaning of Bible statements. So Isaiah 66, 17, we alluded to this before. Let's just go over there and dig a little bit deeper for a minute. Um, so this is Isaiah 66, 17. I'll just pull it up here. Yeah, right here. The Lord, the Lord says the end is near for those who purify themselves for pagan worship, who go in procession to sacred gardens and who eat pork and mice and other disgusting foods. Okay, so I know their thoughts and their deeds. I'm coming to gather the people of all the nations. When they come together, they will see what my power can do and will know that I am the one who punishes them. So, I mean, this very, very clear that God, and we, we touched on this earlier, is not in favor of those who, I mean, it's it's... It's worth noting that God, out of all the different laws, he could have pointed out, it's this, but it's the dietary laws, especially here, eating pork that he that he that he points to and makes it, he makes this um, an issue um, above a lot of different other laws. What would you say, Phil or Will? Man, what is it? Is it the gray shirt? Did <laughs> Phil wear a gray shirt the last time? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm not. I don't know. Sorry. Okay, Go ahead, Phil. I'd be a good Phil. <laughs> I'd be a good Phil. No, uh, actually, I just made a video about Isaiah sixty six seventeen on my TikTok. It's in my food playlist. If you watch it, I actually went through and broke down everything that's every word we looked up in Strong's Concordance. Made a video, put it all together, and. He is straight up saying that when you when you choose to eat this way, you're you're following people into uncertainty, and that it's not going to be good for you in Judgment Day. Um, it's actually really interesting when you break down all the words in Strong's Concordance and look it up. But he's most certainly 
he's most certainly making a deal out of the dietary laws for judgment day. Um, that's not necessarily saying, you know, every single person, like I was talking about before, when I first got on here, I, I think it really becomes an issue when you, when you read scripture and you know, you're not supposed to do it and then continue to do it anyways, right? I'm sure there's plenty of genuine hearted Christians out there that, that, have no idea that they're really not supposed to be eating this stuff because of bad doctrine that they were taught and because of not studying the scriptures. Um, and, and if they are genuine hearted and, and walking an upright path, you know, not to say that God's gonna, this is going to be the end all be all for him. You know, we can't say that for sure, but it's definitely clear all throughout scripture. When you willfully disobey God, it, it becomes not good for you. And, Isaiah, the all of Isaiah 66 paints a, a pretty bad picture for, for judgment day, you know, it says the slain of God will be many. So, and then you got to think about like Hosea four, six, where God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have forgotten the laws of their God. So I just think, you know, we don't really have an excuse in this day and age to be willfully disobedient to these laws. I mean, you can go on YouTube, you can go on TikTok, you can go to any, especially if you live in, you know, the United States or Canada or Europe, you can go down the street and probably a block away from anybody, there's there's a church, you know, with a copy of a Bible that they'll give you. So uh, we really, do, we don't have an excuse. In, in my opinion, I don't think many people have an excuse to willfully disobey this one. But... That's my opinion. Yeah, very good, Will. All right, so um, next uh, comment from Cliff Hicks. 12 Januarys ago, my wife, my son, and myself stopped eating pork for or any of its derivatives. Our testimony is this. None of us has, have suffered from colds and, and flu during that time. 36 man years, man slash years, totally free from... What's this now? 36 man slash years, totally free from any ill health. The Septuagint declares pig as acarthartos. Acarthartos, the Greek word. Acarthartos. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Leviticus chapter 11, uh, this Greek word means toxic, polluted, poisonous. Enough said, I think. Um, next one. Okay, so that's the first one we did. So we're done with that. Uh, any questions in the live chat, um, please address it to, if you want it specifically for me, put at Christopher, at Christopher, uh, or for Will, put at Will. Uh, there's so many uh, different, there's so many comments here, we can't get through them all. I think there's, yeah, a lot of them I can't even scroll back to the, to the, uh, to the very beginning. Um, so... Yeah, we're just going to have to skip through skip through a lot of these things in the live chat. So if you have, I'm going to go to the most recent one. If you have any questions for for me, put at Christopher. If you have any for uh, Will, put at Will. Thank you very much, Tower Time. I appreciate that. Tower Time says, uh, "Super Chat, ten dollars. Uh, hallelujah, praise, praise Yahweh. I pray." Windows of heaven will be opened over the ministries which our heavenly Father has placed uh, you both in 
Yeshua's name, Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Blessings, uh, the Tower of Time. Thank you very much. Fortis, good to see you back, brother. Uh, still your emotional state and don't feel much. Save your life. Yeah. Good to see you back, uh, Fortis. Um, yeah, so if you do you see anything there, Will, in the comments that you'd like to respond to? I know there's there's way too many that we can we can't uh, we can't even read them all, but uh there's a lot. Uh, yeah, to keep up with them. Um, you know, I do want to bring up one more point, uh, since, you know, it, it really ends up pork is always the biggest one. Always. A lot of people can give up seafood, but when it comes to pork, I don't know what it is, but I actually did a video about this. Um, again, I'm on TikTok. It's in my food playlist, but, um, I went through a bunch of scientific journals and they said that pigs share up to a 98% genetic match with humans, right? And when you consider that Yeshua cast the demons into the pigs, because perhaps genetically they're similar enough for demons to be cast into, I don't know, but it really, that kind of stuff alone <laughs> makes me not want to eat it. Like, even if, wow. even if we could, even if we could, it's gross. The pigs are like full of toxins and parasites. And genetically speaking, they're very similar to humans, which is just, just gross when you think about that as well. And the fact that Jesus cast demons into pigs, I mean, why, why would you, I just, I personally, I don't know why anybody would want to eat pig after learning all this stuff. That is amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I never thought of it like that, but when it comes to that, like, yeah, like just thinking about that alone. And you think about just that 2% DNA difference may, I mean, may, makes a lot of difference in <laughs> between a pig and a, and a human. I mean, apparently it looks a lot different and, but 2%, that's, uh, yeah. That's pretty close. It is very close. Too close for comfort, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I just anything that my Messiah cast demons into, I don't really want to eat. And that's the thing too. Like Yeshua knew what was fair game. I guess you would put it. Like he knew that and the demons knew, the evil spirits knew that the pigs were fair game for them because the pigs were considered to be unclean. And you notice too. Again, uh, this uh, this gets into another whole topic, but I'll just me just mention this. Uh, but a lot of different animals that are deemed unclean by the scriptures are animals that have uh, that uh, spread diseases. Yeah. Without getting into too much uh, uh, detail there, but a lot of yeah, um, a lot of diseases they would say came from animals or at least originated well it's because they are made by god to filter out all the toxins in the world right like you have muscles and i don't know if you anybody's ever looked this up on youtube but you can look up um muscles they put muscles in like black water like just filthy black water and they put a clock behind it and within hours the water starts to get clear they're literally filtering all this nasty stuff 
out of the water. And I even read an article that that they dumped like millions and millions of mussels into the Hudson Bay to try to clear it up because it was getting so polluted. Right. So and mussels and clams and oysters, they all filter out toxins from the water. And there is there's so many diseases you can get from them if they're not cooked properly. And one could argue, I've heard so many people try to argue this point as well. They said, well, you know, um, he knew he was going to make it clean, right? So I'm like, okay, well, then why didn't he just make the law about how to cook the animals properly if that's all that really mattered? He could have said, okay, make sure you cook pork to an internal temperature of 162, you know? He didn't do that. He said, just don't eat it. You know, so he could have absolutely said, "Okay, you know, once you have refrigerators and meat thermometers, you can eat whatever you want. But he didn't say that in his laws. God is God. He's outside of time. He knew what was applicable. He could have just told us how to cook it right if that was the only issue. Yeah. And cooking, it only deals with that physical part of the the situation, too. It doesn't it doesn't deal with the spiritual. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can cook it all you want until it's until it's safe to eat, but still there's that spiritual thing that that you're consuming um, that cannot be cooked out of it. True. It looks like you got a comment down here. Second first uh, said uh, thought thought it interesting that when my father in law was having a heart valve replacement, they asked if he wanted pork or beef valve. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I would take if I had a choice between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's another thing uh, in that article that was talking about how genetically similar pigs are to humans. That's why they use in a lot of times they use pig valves um, in, in heart surgeries and stuff. And that's just, I don't know. That's, that's too close for that's too. No, that's, that's bordering cannibalism for me, which is clearly not kosher. Clearly not. Yeah. So let's just quickly go through some of Leviticus 11 and and uh, maybe just glean over Deuteronomy 14 as we go through. Will, if you want to jump in, feel free to jump in. Uh, I'm reading from. Uh, let me just see. I'll just I'll just go with the NKJV here. Okay, so this is Leviticus 11, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud, or those that have cloven hooves. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, it is, is unclean to you. The rock, Hyrix, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, it unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud. It is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. Let me just stop here for a second, because there's a question I've heard, and honestly, Will, I I, I don't know. It, it seems like the answer would be yes, but I, 
maybe will you you've uh, run across something that would is different than me but giraffe doesn't i i read an article that is kosher yeah so yeah. Wouldn't that be something like to have a giraffe burger or something like that? It probably is actually pretty good, I would bet, but I'm pretty sure they're endangered and you can't hunt them. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. actually, I did do some research on that and I, I actually did a video on it. They are, they are actually kosher. So opening up a new menu item, if you can get around all the uh, African laws that say you can't hunt them. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Very interesting. So. For those of you who don't understand the language very much, like for sure, like the cows would be kosher, beef kosher, anything like that. Anything that comes from a cow would be kosher. Um, sheep. Um, there's lots of stuff that you can Mountain eat. goats, elk, deer, antelope, like uh, all the all the common all the common like grass grazing animals with antlers and horns are typically fair game. Yeah, let's go into verse nine, talking about the seafood. Now, these you may eat of all that are in the water, whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers that you may eat, but all in the seas or in the rivers that you that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall you shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you. Okay, so let me just stop here because we're going to the birds after that. But stuff like eels, right? Catfish. Um, there's lots of other, there's lots of stuff that's not kosher either. There's lots of stuff that's kosher. There's mussels, crabs, lobster, shrimp, none of those we can have. Um, but yeah, it, honestly, this one's pretty simple. It, it's basically fish with scales and fins. You're good, but if it doesn't have scales and scales and fins, and it's in the water, you're you're not supposed to eat it. No crawdads or anything like that. Backing up a step, back to the land animals. Uh, I believe it's in the book of the Epistle of Barnabas. It explains that chewing the cud is like a. Um, like the spirit, the significance of that or the spiritual significance of that is like meditating on the word of God. When you meditate on the word and you kind of, it kind of, uh, you kind of have to regurgitate it over and over again. Like how that's how they, they, these animals are when they're chewing the cud. In the cloven hoof, speaking of the two worlds, right? This world and the world to come. Have you heard, if you heard that, Will? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, I don't know if you want me to dip into it, but I have the Epistle of Barnabas right here. Um, I, yeah, yeah, go I ahead, Will. Go ahead. I earmarked it um, so that we could talk about it if we ever got there. Um, let me see if I can find that part specifically in it. Um, give me one second. Yep. So this is talking about the pig here, and it says, As also the pig, when it eats, it does not know its owner. But when it is hungry, it cries out, and after receiving food, it is silent again. Um, this just goes into some details about 
each type of animal that we are and aren't supposed to eat. Um, let me see here. I don't know if you want me to just read this or not. It's not super long. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I could read the whole thing if you want. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Again, I do want to preface this like I don't believe he's saying that we can eat any of these animals. It I've used I've heard people say that you know, the epistle of Barnabas clearly states that we can eat whatever we want, but I truly believe he's just going into the deepness of of the spiritual meaning of the dietary laws. Um, and then falling in line with what I would think the Didache was saying, which is do the best that you can. Um, but let me read through here and, and there. Well, I hundred percent agree with you, Phil. I'm hundred percent behind you on that. I, I don't, uh, yeah. Um, uh, it sounds like he's, he's, um, saying that it's okay to eat that stuff. I don't believe that either, but it's very, I think it's very interesting what he says about the spiritual side of, of things. And I think it's worth uh, reading anyway. All right, well, I'll read through it. It's only about a, like a page, page and a half here. So, um, and Moses said, you will not eat of pig or eagle or hawk or crow or any fish which does not have scales on itself. He included three doctrines in his understanding. Moreover, he says to them in Deuteronomy, I will make a covenant of my regulations with this people. Therefore, as a result, the commandments of God is not to refrain from eating, but Moses spoke in the spirit. Therefore, he mentioned the pig. For this reason, you will not be joined. He says, with people such as these who are like pigs, that is, when they live luxuriously, they forget the Lord. And when they have need, they acknowledge the Lord. As also the pig, when it eats, it does not know its owner. But when it's hungry, it cries out. And after receiving food, it is silent again. And you shall not eat of the eagle or hawk or of the kite or of the crow. He means you must not join with or resemble people such as these who do not know how to toil by the buy and sweat to provide food for themselves, but they plunder what belongs to another in their lawlessness. And they lie in wait as if conducting themselves in purity. And they look around to see whom they may plunder through their greediness. As also these birds alone do not provide food for themselves, but sitting idle, seek out how they may devour the flesh of another, having become a public nuisance in their wickedness. And you shall not eat, he says, of the sea eel or the octopus or cuttlefish. He means you shall not become like such animals, joining with people such as these who are ungodly to the end and who are condemned already to death. Also, these cursed little fish swim alone in the deep water, not swimming as the rest, but they dwell in the mud beneath the deep water. But also you shall not eat of the rabbit. For what reason? You shall not become, he means, a child molester or even seem like such as these, because the rabbit multiplies its anus each year. For as many years as it lives, so many holes it has. But you shall not eat the hyena. He means do not become an adulterer or a corrupter and do not even seem like such as these. For what reason? 
because this animal changes its nature each year and becomes one year male and the next year female. But he also hated the weasel. Rightly, do not become, he means, such as this. Of the sort we hear committing transgressions with the mouth through impurity. And do not be joined with unclean women, those who commit transgressions with the mouth. For this animal conceives with the mouth. About food, Moses, having received three doctrines, thus spoke spiritually. But they, be cut, uh, but they, because of the lust of their flesh, received them as about food. And David received knowledge of the same three doctrines and says, Blessed is the man who has not gone in the counsel of the ungodly. As also the fishes went into darkness into the deep water and has not stood in the way of sinners as those who seem to fear the Lord, but sin like the pig. And do not sit upon the seat of troublemakers as the birds sitting in wait for their plunder. You have received full enlightenment about food. Again, Moses said, eat from any animal which has a divided hoof and choose the cud. What does he mean? That he who receives food knows the one who feeds him. And being relieved by him, um, and being relieved by him seems to rejoice. He spoke well with regards to the commandment. What then does he mean? Join with those who fear the Lord and those who meditate in their heart upon what distinguishing word has been received with those who speak of the regulations of the Lord and observe them. And pause here. We're almost done with this. But even he mentions not being lawless and observing the regulations of the Lord. There you um, go. With those who know that meditation is the work of gladness and who ruminate on the word of the Lord. But why the one with the divided hoof? Because the righteous one walks, uh, both walks in the world and looks forward to the holy age. See how well Moses legislated. But how did those people understand or comprehend these things? But we, having rightly understood the commandments, we speak as the Lord wished. Because of this, he circumcised our ears and hearts that we might understand these things. That is the chapter in the Epistle of Barnabas about food. And again, when you read through all of the Epistle of Barnabas, he is not advocating for lawlessness at all. He, he even just said, how well did Moses advocate? But he's saying that, in my opinion, he's saying the Jews only saw this as food. They didn't understand the deeper meaning of these laws, right? They were getting caught up in one single aspect of it, which wasn't right. Just like it's a commandment to wear seats, But again, it's not it's not like a fashion statement. It's, it's so that you just remind yourself of to be righteous, to walk in an upright way, pleasing to God. And I think the dietary laws do the same thing for us, just like everything else. I don't think he was advocating for eating whatever you want. I think he was talking about the deeper meaning and and that it's not like the food part is not the most important part of it. The most important part is understanding what he meant by this on a spiritual level, not being joined with people who emulate these kind of behaviors that these unclean animals do. Um, that's my opinion of it. Uh, you can definitely read Barnabas and you can see the same type of Pauline doctrine come through where it seems like he's saying, oh, no, you're good here because you understand this. But 
I don't think that's what was going on. I don't think that's what was going on with Paul or Barnabas. Um, I really think they were preaching about the deeper meaning, the spiritual meaning of it, rather than just the physical meaning of it. Um, but that's what do you think? Yeah, I think yeah, I, I do. Um, I do see Paul in there. I, I do see how um, Paul and Barnabas were, were were they were together for a while. So I do see that like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you can see this a lot of similarities there. You can actually, if you didn't know, all right, if someone didn't know that the Epistle of Barnabas was the Epistle of Barnabas, they would think it would be Paul. Absolutely. I yeah, I I a hundred percent agree with that. This they could have slapped this in the Bible as another letter of Paul. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I think that's I think that's important to read. I think that's important to understand because it really brings out the spiritual element of it. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about too the the whole idea of physical things do it can trans transmit spiritual things. Oh yeah. Well, it says what is what is bound on earth is bound in heaven, right? What's bound in physical world is bound in the spiritual world. So clearly, what we do down here matters up there, you know, um, our physical life has an impact on our spiritual life. And just cause we can't understand the weight of that right now, doesn't mean we should be running off, you know, being like, Oh, this law of God doesn't matter anymore, even though we could follow it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so many, and this is the way it is with all the different, I think throughout the, throughout the Torah, throughout the, the all the scriptures, um, biblical and extra biblical, there's so much, layers of meaning and and it's just so rich so rich but let's uh, read a, a little bit more of uh, Leviticus chapter 11 and these you shall re regard as an abomination among the birds they shall not be eaten they are an abomination the eagle the vulture the buzzard the kite and the falcon after its kind every raven after its kind the ostrich the short-eared owl the seagull and the hawk after its kind, the, the little owl, the fisher owl, and the screech owl, the white owl, the, the jackdaw, and the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you. These, or yet these, you may eat of every flying insect, insect that creeps on all fours. Those which have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth, these you may eat, the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. But all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. Uh, these are the unclean animals. By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. The, carp the carcass of any animal which divide divides the foot but is not cloven hoofed, hooved, uh, hoofed or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean, and whatever goes on on its paws among all kinds of animals that go that go on all fours those are unclean to you i guess that'd be like the bear and all kinds of stuff like that whoever touches 
any carcass shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. These also shall be unclean to you among the creeping things that creep on the earth, the mole, the mouse, the large lizard after its kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. Anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean. Whether it is any or any item of wood or clothing or skin of sack or sack, whether whatever item it is in which any work is done, it must be put in water and it shall be unclean until evening. Then it shall be clean. Any earthen, earthen vessel into which any of them falls, you shall break, and whatever is in it shall be unclean. In such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls must or becomes unclean, and any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. Let me just stop here for a second because this is interesting about the earthen vessel. The reason why I believe it is to be broken is because the earthen vessel is porous, right? So any of the, any kind of virus or bacteria could get into that. You're absolutely right. I actually looked into this deeper and I, I did a video about this one. Um, things like ceramic and clay, which is really what the most common um, eating and drinking dishes were back then. They're very porous. So if something unclean gets in there, it just days in there. So basically you you just keep polluting yourself over and over and over again because it would just be in there forever. Um so yeah, there's actually a great law before they ever could have known on a molecular level that, you know, clay and ceramic are super porous. So it's super interesting uh when you study that. I um it reminds me of this uh not not specifically in this part of scripture, but it's very similar. Uh, I saw a um, a video years ago. Uh, it was called "Signature of God" by um, a gentleman by the name of Grant Jeffrey, and uh, he talked about there was this like back in history when they didn't know about the viruses and bacteria that they, they weren't really, they said that like hospitals and doctors would go from one patient to the next and, and they wouldn't understand why, you know, let's say when one patient died of, you know, a certain kind of bacteria or virus, they didn't know about bacteria and virus back, back in those days. They didn't understand why other people would, would also come down with it, but it's because they didn't, you know, it wasn't sanitary. But there was this one doctor that their patients did not um, uh, get sick like that. And they were wondering, like, what's going on? Why, why is that? And uh, apparently this was a Jewish doctor. So this Jewish doctor obeying the Torah and washing and all this kind of thing, his, pa his patients lived and not, you know, they did not get sick as the other patients did. And so that was from what I understand, that was like the catalyst, uh, that, that really brought to light in the, in the medical world, what was going on and how they finally discovered, yeah, there was viruses and bacteria that were transferred from one patient to the next. Yeah. That's really cool. 
Yeah. So it was all, it's all based upon the Torah basically. So very, yeah, very cool. Verse 35 and in everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean, whether it is an oven or cooking stove, it shall be broken down and they shall, for they shall, excuse me, for they are unclean and shall be unclean to you. Now, these ovens and cooking stoves are probably a, a whole lot different than what we know of today. Uh, verse 36, Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean. Again, in which there is plenty of water. But whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed which is to be sown it remains clean but if water is is put on the seed and any part of it uh any part excuse me if a part of any such carcass falls on it it becomes unclean to you and if any animal which you may eat dies he who touches the carcass shall be unclean until evening he who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening he also who carries its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, and whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat, for they are an abomination." You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with, with them, lest you be defiled by them. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Wow, that's a good one, right? That's a good one. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that that creeps on the earth, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters and of every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between unclean and the clean and between the animal that is that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. I find it, uh, Will, I find it very interesting that we have, you know, kind of snuck in, in all these dietary laws. You got these kind of commandments for you shall be holy for I am holy. And again, therefore you shall be holy for I am holy. Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of like God saying like, you know, you know, this, he, he sandwiches that in the, dietary laws uh, actually it's piggyback in other parts of the torah too can you um can you pull up leviticus 20 25 and 26 sure thing leviticus 25 you leviticus said 20 verse 25 and 26 okay 20 verse 25 And you shall make a distinction between the unclean and the uh, between the clean and the unclean cattle, and between the clean and the unclean birds. You shall not defile your souls with cattle, or with birds, or or with any creeping things of the earth, which I have separated for you by 
reason of uncleanness, and you shall be holy to me, because I am the Lord your God, or I, the Lord your God, am holy, who separates you from all nations to be mine. Yeah. He actually says in that passage that you'll make your soul abominable, that you can make your soul abominable. And, and I can understand that being a physical and spiritual thing as well. Because if you're if you're mixing yourself with with these types of people, you know, you're you're defiling your you're defiling yourself, your body and your soul, you know. So um it's it's multifaceted. His laws aren't just physical and they're not just spiritual. They're they're transcendent. They're both. Yeah, that's that's it. Let's just read Deuteronomy 14, the little passage passage in there. Verse 3, do not eat anything that the Lord has declared unclean. You may eat these animals, cattle, sheep, goats, deer, wild sheep, wild goats, or antelopes, any animals that have divided hoofs and that also chew the cud. But no animals may be eaten unless they have divided hoofs and also chew the cud. You may not eat camels or rabbits or rock badgers. They must be considered unclean. They chew the cud, but do not have divided hoofs. Do not eat pigs. They must, they must be considered unclean. They have divided hoofs, but do not chew the cud. Do not eat any of these animals or even touch their dead bodies. You may eat any kind of fish that has fins and scales, but anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales may not be eaten. It must be considered unclean. You may eat any clean bird, but these are the kinds of birds you may not eat. Eagles, owls, hawks, falcons, buzzards, vultures, crows, ostriches, seagulls, storks, herons, pelicans, cormorants, hoopoes, and bats. All winged insects are unclean. Do not eat them. You may eat any clean insect. Do not eat any animal that dies a natural death. You may not, or you may let the foreigners who live among you eat it, or you may sell it to, the, to other foreigners, but you belong to the Lord your God. You are his people. Do not cook a young sheep or a goat in its mother's milk. Um, yeah, so the there's a Jewish thing. Some of you know that you're not supposed to mix dairy and meat. Um, any any of our Jewish brothers and sisters that you know hold to that and that obey that, you know, um, I totally respect you. I don't think that that is required according to the written Torah though. I agree. Yeah. So um, we have it like an instance where Abraham and Sarah made uh, meat and dairy together and served it to the angels. They had no problem with that at all. Um, and so it, it it's another thing like what, what you need to, Look at this and say, what does it say? What does it not say? So it says basically don't don't cook 
a young sheep or goat in its mother's milk, period. It didn't say don't eat it together. It didn't say don't eat dairy and meat together. Um, it just said don't cook it in its mother's milk. What, I, to me, like just thinking about cooking a, you know, a, a young sheep or a goat, a little sheep or a little goat in its mother's milk sounds pretty sick to me anyway to do something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I do not think that the Jewish laws of the, the kashrut laws uh, of mixing meat and dairy are to be, I don't believe that according to the written Torah is that's to be strictly observed. I, I agree. Um, it, it actually seemed like it was a pretty common pagan practice to do that back in the, back in the day. Hopefully they're not still doing that kind of stuff, but who knows in this world. Uh, but it was actually Genesis 18, eight that uh, Abraham, it says he took the curds and milk and the calf, that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and ate, right? So we have Abraham with angels eating meat and dairy together. So. Yeah. 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 I think that's important too. And we haven't, we haven't uh, mentioned this at all, but there is a, a big difference. There is a difference and a big difference, especially in this in this case, between the Jewish laws and the biblical laws, right? Yeah. Or the kashrut, the the Jewish laws of kosher laws that would be the kashrut um, versus the written law of God as we're reading tonight. Um, there are a lot of additional things that the that the Jewish laws add to the Torah. I understand why they do it. Um, their idea is not their idea is to what they call build a fence around the Torah. Basically let's, let's come, let's not see how close we can get to the edge of the cliff before we fall off. Let's stay far back as possible. So it's their idea was, well, it says, don't, don't cook a young sheep or a goat in its mother's milk. Well, let's not mix any meat and dairy together. Therefore we know for sure that we're not going to even come close to, to breaking this commandment. Personally, I think that's a little bit much, but I think that's taking it a little bit further than what God wanted it to be. Um, Will, about anything else that we read there in Deuteronomy 14, got anything to add? Um, not on Deuteronomy 14. I did want to bring up something, though. I actually made I, I made a friend on TikTok, a really nice messianic Jewish rabbi, great guy. We speak frequently, and he told me that it's actually sad for him because his people don't realize that they're so afraid of breaking the commandments of God that they're breaking them by following their own laws instead of the ones in the Torah. So it's it's really kind of interesting how you have like it's almost like the same split like like Israel is the Christians and Judah is the Jews back back in Jeremiah 3, right? And you have them doing the opposite ends uh, of the extremes, the the Christians not obeying the commandments of God at all because they're not worried. And then you have the Jews who are so worried about breaking the commandments of God that they break them by following their own commandments instead of the ones laid out that God has. So it, it's I, if, if only we could just come together again like they did in in the way, in the sect. 
You know, uh, I think that's what God intended for us to do for his people. And it's just sad that we still have this, this opposite ends, far left hand, far right hand division between Christians and Jews. Neither of them realize what they're doing. Yeah, I think that it, it, they should come back together for sure. They were in the first century, needs to come back. Needs to, I think we are making a full circle. I really do. Yeah. You know, you look at the life of a person, you know, if a person lives a long time, it seems like they go back to their childhood when they get old, right? So it's like they come full circle. I think that the the New Testament church should come full circle. I agree. It should come full circle. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, so... If there's anything else that we need to add, uh, let's see what we got here. Again, if anybody in the question in the comments there in the live chat, if you want to have, um, if you got a question for Will, put it at Will. If, uh, for me, at Christopher, uh, we will answer it. If you, if for both of us, put both at Will and at Christopher, uh, we will answer it. But uh, yeah, there you have it. Um, a lot of people say that uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just pushing Jewish law, Jewish law, Jewish law. It's like, don't you understand? Like, just in the past ten minutes, what I, what I just said, I'm just saying, hey, you know, if you obey the Jewish law, well, I mean, hats off to. I mean, I'm, I fully respect everybody who obeys the Jewish law when it comes to meat and dairy. You know, whatever. Like, you, you want to do that? Excellent. Like, great. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue, right? I'm not gonna argue with the, uh, just that myself. Personally, uh, if you're to ask me, it's like that. I don't think that that's. I think that that's the Jewish law, and not necessarily the written Torah of God. I agree. I think we're trying to stay true to what the the Torah laws are, and and separate out the the doctrines of men. Yeah, and you see that in 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 Yeshua's day as well. He he went through that with the with the Pharisees, where the Pharisees added added stuff that was just a little bit too much. And so, yeah. Um, okay. So I know there's a, there's a delay there. I just want to make sure I get everybody in here. And I know there's a lot of questions, a lot of comments, I should say a lot of, a lot of activity in the live chat that we, I didn't even see, couldn't see by the way, because it's just too much scrolling too, too far. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up then. Uh, Phil, I mean, why do I keep on saying Phil? Sorry about that. Okay. You'll, you'll get it next time. Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. <laughs> well, it's a, was it, I think this is the only time I ever called you Phil, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's the only time I ever called you Phil. It's just one of those nights. I understand. One of those nights. You one got those it. Nights. Sorry about that. So thank you. For joining us, uh, Will, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, someday, I don't know what you think, but someday, um, perhaps we get like a panel, a panel of different people on here. That'd be great. And actually, I'm really glad you invited me on tonight because I was just thinking about just just like a week ago, I, I've been super busy uh, after work, so I haven't been able to catch your streams and I was thinking, I'm like, man, it's been a while since I got on there and I'd love to come back on. So I was actually thinking about reaching out to you and seeing if I could come on. And it's like you read my mind because you're like, hey, come on the stream. So it was great. Thank you for inviting me. This is great to have live fellowship. You know what? I've been thinking about having you on anyway. I'm th I was thinking the past several days anyway, too. So I'm thinking uh, you and I were thinking alike. 
I was thinking, you know, I better, you know, get you back on here and uh, uh, have some fellowship. Really back in September, man, it seems like <laughs> I knew it's been a while, but geez, September was a minute ago. Yeah, time flies, that's for sure. Yeah, in the past week, past week, I was thinking about that as well, uh, Will, and I thought, uh, yeah, and again, for me, my past week was super busy. I know ever since then, Will, I, uh, first time I was doing this every single day up until the, what was it, Tuesday, was it? But I had like three days off. All right, I took three days off. So you, uh, you didn't miss three days because I wasn't here for three days for the past oh. three. Is, is, yeah, this is the first day back since, uh, when was it? Tuesday? No, Monday. I think it was. Monday. So I took Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday off. I haven't taken any days off since I began. I think I began in August. Yeah, you've been you've been doing a good run on here. So, you know, you deserve a few days off. Um, it's great what you're doing, though, because it's like, any night of the week, we can come have a live fellowship with with like-minded people, which is hard because as far as I'm aware, you're the only person doing this. Um, you know, we have people doing it, you know, like once a week or so. And I've actually, I was trying to do one or two like live streams on TikTok a week. And then I got called called out of state for work for a few weeks and then since I got back, I've just been trying to do stuff at home and get caught up. And I just, uh, I haven't been live streaming on TikTok either, but uh, it's really great to have a place where you can go every night of the week. So, um, but don't feel obligated to do it every night of the week. You do deserve a break. You've been going nonstop for, like you said, a really long time. It's It's been great what you've been doing. Well, the last few nights, actually, even though I wasn't on live stream, it was very busy. I've been very busy anyway. So I was very busy. Yeah. So I, you know, um, we need to get out there. You and I will, and everyone else, you know, uh, listening. I know there's some people listening and, uh, you, you know, uh, you haven't really, but it, you know, you don't need to get out and do what we're doing, what Will and I are doing, but, uh, you know, just, uh, supporting prayer and, and, um, you know, uh, even just being there posting on Twitter or anywhere else you can post any other social uh, media platform. Um, and just, uh, just being a part of the body. I see, uh, one, one John two said, thanks for coming on. I, I, I appreciate you guys. Um, I love being here, whether it's in the comments or, or on live with you. I, I enjoy coming and being part of this fellowship. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up for tonight and, uh, I'll be back Lord willing tomorrow, 2 PM as usual doing a Shabbat fellowship. All right, guys. So that's it for tonight. Thanks again, Will. And as always, all of you, everyone within the sound of my voice, because I know there are some people that are listening to this and not watching it, but everyone within the sound of my voice, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom peace. Shalom. Amen. Amen. Shalom. See you tomorrow.